You are listening to How to Bake a Book. Some episodes may contain content not suitable for some listeners. Please see descriptions for specific content warnings. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Mary. And I'm Cole. And welcome to How to Bake a Book. Uh, this is your spoiler-laden oh, uh, yes, reading, spoilers. reading and cooking podcast. This is a part two yes. of our deep dive into Naomi Novik's Uprooted. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I recommend doing it, unless... You'll be a little lost. Well, yeah, you might be. So head on back to the first episode and... Um, Catch yourself up. And then just to remind people, too, uh, so, Cole, what is your background with books? I am, um, oh, okay, I need everybody to know that uh, Mary just let the cat out of the recording room, and I've never been more hurt in my life. Her cats are the cutest things I've ever seen. They're just very vocal. I really wish that one of them would join us on the podcast. Maybe one day. Maybe someday. <laughs> Depending on what we cover, maybe one day. Maybe one day, okay. I'm, I'm holding out for that hope. Uh, I, I am an avid book reader, and I recently graduated from um, a master's program in literature and book publishing. And I like food, and I like books, and I <laughs> like Mary, so I'm here, because all three of those things are in the same room. Um, I don't have uh, nearly the same qualifications. I just really love reading, and I love cooking, and mm-hmm. I'm full of opinions, so here I am. Your opinions are the best opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I have more of a healthcare worker background, so when we get more into like battle scenes and stuff, I can be like, nah. He, he did. <laughs> well, there's a pretty interesting battle scene coming up. Yes, so. yes. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. Uh, so uh, just a quick recap. We've made it up through chapter 14 of Uprooted. And we found the prince in a heart tree uh, in the wood. So, uh, so yeah, so we find the prince of Rosia, um, who supposedly took the queen 20 years ago, and we find his skeleton is entwined in the bark of um, this giant heart tree. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that happens is these huge mantises come out of the tree. And we, when we, when I say huge, I'm not talking like maybe like, you know, rat size. I'm talking like 12 feet high. Like that mantises. um, Like that giant skeleton that everybody wanted to buy last Halloween. Oh my god, your frat I'm gonna send you a link. Okay, you can't (laughs) see me, but I have a very confused face. She looked at me like I became a giant 12-foot mantis that came out of a tree. <laughs> um, and so the mantises start uh, eating the the horses. They start picking them up with their pinchers. And, and about this time, they initially went in with like 30-plus men. And by the time they have actually made it to the heart tree, it's about half mm-hmm. of what they went in yeah. with. And these are supposed to be some of the most like battle-hardened, like seasoned warriors in their like Olympics. You would cast these people with like A-list actors. Like <laughs> they would be there would be Chris Pine, maybe an Idris Elba. Oh, as as these guys? As these guys. Oh. They would be characters in their own right. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Man, I love Idris Elba. Oh my Shouldn't God. have brought him up. Now we're just going to talk about him this I'm, entire episode. This is now an Idris Elba podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. At the end of this, we can kind of talk about who we, who we see as characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I know that there's a little bit of controversy between what's better, the book or the movie or what have you. I, you know, that you know now that you brought that up, that's interesting because I, you know, everybody is like, oh, I prefer, you know, books are always better. Books are always better. I just feel like the movies are just different. Yeah. It's and, a different medium. You have to yeah. translate it. And because especially with Harry Potter is always a, is an example of mine is double. as as an aside, just before we get into it. Uh, fuck J.K. Rowling. Yes. Uh, yes. I uh, try my hardest to separate art from the artist. And it correct. is very hard. Yes. Um, but uh, Harry Potter is an example with Dumbledore's funeral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would ever be able to to be portrayed correctly in a movie oh, just yeah. because of how how emotional it made me and just my own brain imagery you know mm-hmm. I just don't think it could ever match that oh I completely agree and I, I'm especially when you have a book that has a, a strong point of view character that has mm-hmm. a like a strong narrative voice mm-hmm. I think that's something that you lose often in a in a movie but they compensate for it in different ways mm-hmm. so somebody who's very attached to that voice will probably be disappointed but like you get other stuff that you don't get have you ever read the uh we're going on a way big tangent. I'm uh, have you ever read uh, the Shadow and Bone series? No, not yet. I have it on my bookshelf. So, Maybe we can do an episode about it. But yeah. I haven't so, read it yet. Um, so the Shadow and Bone. So the the books are amazing. Yeah. But the the Netflix show um, mm-hmm. is an adaptation, and so it doesn't have all the characters and stuff. But the show, in its own right, is. Mm-hmm amazing and the way that they casted the characters were so good too but it's a completely different story yeah but i feel like netflix really did a good job yeah that even though it's very different from the books the characters still have the same sort of heart does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah no totally and so like so that argument to me about like books versus movies never really made sense because it's a completely different medium. Yeah. It, it could be the same story, but it's kind of like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It's a different telling of the story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so going back into... This fairy tale. This fairy tale, Uprooted by Naomi Novak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should say, I should have said this in the beginning, but Cole read it and I listened to yeah. it on Audible. Um <clears throat> so going back into chapter 15, so the uh, they come across all of these mantises and these these other creatures too, like a bunch of walkers come in mm-hmm. and um, I get the feeling that the mantises are just like the mature version of a walker because in my oh, head really? they're so similar. Hmm. I guess in my brain, I like because I told you about like the I pictured the mantises as those giant stick, stick bugs. bugs, yeah. And so like I consider them a little bit more sentient and almost like human, yeah. Versus like the mantises are are just monsters, yeah. Like I don't feel like they have a lot of brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really interesting too that they, yeah, they they're could so be similar in my connected. head. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so Kasha is the one that during this battle, so the the they're trying to light the tree on fire and they're trying to get the queen out and um, they're trying to battle the mantises and the walkers and oh it is it's it's a lot the dragon ends up getting burned mm-hmm. and pretty severely the battle scene as it's going on just it, it's all from agnieszka's perspective mm-hmm. and so it really gets into the chaos of a moment like that so you you catch glimpses here and there of what's happening like at one point one of the um soldiers gets like mortally wounded oh yeah and she has like she's stuck in it for a minute yeah and it's like she has to almost shake herself out of that to even realize that the dragon's been hurt you know mm-hmm. yeah she does this is this battle is very traumatic mm-hmm. and it's traumatic for her and it's traumatic for kasha and she she does a good job later on like de- describing the pts and the things that kind of come out of this this battle yeah. for everybody so as they're trying to burn the tree um Kasha sees part of the queen and is trying to pull her out as Agnieszka is trying to help the dragon get out mm-hmm. as well because now the tree is trying to consume the dragon. Yeah. I think that... The, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating that the thing that you... that Kasha sees of the queen first is her hair. Yeah. And in... in mytho- not mythology, in folklore and in, like, fairy tales and whatnot, hair is... especially women's hair is such a magical force. Like, I think about... Um, well, that's how Agnieszka... Uh, that's how Agnieszka finds uh, Kasha when she was in the wood is exactly. she uses her hair as a beacon. Yeah, exactly. And so the fact that, that the hair is, is somehow, like furthering the story along um to me is it it ties into more of that fairy tale element Mm -hmm. while all of this craziness is happening kasha is the only one strong enough Mm. to break the bark and pull the queen out just literally rips just rips the like you you know talk about like you know what is that scene in um i think it's uh oh gosh it's with um Captain America, mm-hmm. and you know, and he's like pulling the the parts of the ship together or whatever. Oh, Spider Man! Is that Spider Man? It's Spider Man. Oh, I'm a bad nerd. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Memory is a slippery thing. Um, someone at some point helps to repair a ship, and he's it's trying just, to yeah pull it together. And I, I just that's what I imagine. She's just having to use every ounce of strength yeah. to get the queen out. I, it's so funny that you, you that you mentioned that because I in my head Kasha's like the superhero of this story. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. That kind of strength is something that you don't often see mm-hmm. outside of like superhero stories. You don't really see women doing it either. Yeah, I can that think of sort of like too. screaming very ugly yeah. and you know but she like, does not owe him beauty no <laughs> no she does not that was a callback to an earlier chapter I'm so sorry <laughs> I'm still alive with that phrase <laughs> um, and so the heart tree is trying to consume the dragon and, and again they're using the fire heart on the tree um, to, to, to burn this this heart tree and get the queen out. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is the prince is found skeletalized, but the queen is whole. Yeah. The queen doesn't have a scratch on her. 
Um, however, when she comes out and they start to perform the um, purging spells and that kind of stuff, <laughs> they can't find any corruption on her. Yeah. When they do that, um, and I I can't remember the, the name of the spell, but the... Um, Truth spell, loose summoning. Yes, loose yes. summoning. Thank you, loose summoning. They don't. They don't see any whiffs of shadows. Mm-hmm. They look through every. Or it's it's like this. You're lit up from the inside. Yeah. So she's described as being able to see her bones and and the her organs moving mm-hmm. and like this kind of stuff. And any sort of blackness means corruption. Can you imagine them using this summoning spell as like an X-ray, oh <laughs> like fantasy X-ray. <laughs> I need awesome. two wizards to tell me if I broke my ankle. <laughs> God, in America, could you imagine that, Bill? Oh my God, <laughs> you're you're the person who works in healthcare. Mm-hmm. How big would that be? Oh, <laughs> if so, you had to contract two magic wizards, oh, so that would be like two very expensive doctors. Yeah. So we're talking a couple hundred thousand dollars. Maybe. Oh yeah, no big deal. Yes, totally, totally doable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so the queen is is totally fine, but she's like a blank slate. She mm-hmm. she doesn't speak. She doesn't blink. She doesn't make any emotion, yeah. even as as her son is there, whom she hasn't seen in twenty years since he was like a little child. I think that, he I think he was seven or nine when she did, she disappeared or yeah. something. He's he's like in his very, late twenties. Yeah, very yeah. little, mm-hmm. young, young. When um when she disappeared, mm-hmm. everybody's confused and a, a little weary, I guess, as to like why she's mm-hmm. been in this tree for twenty years, but. But she's just treating the entire thing as a victory. Even yeah. Though, oh, yeah. Even though he lost every oh. single one of his men. Yeah. So the yeah. only people that survived after um, this battle with the heart tree and, and everything, it, he went in with 30 plus men. They are only coming out with the two wizards, Agdashka, Kasha, the queen, and, and the prince. So pretty much everybody except for the prince is somehow magically enhanced or protected. And in a way, the prince himself, because of his, like, power, uh, like, his station and authority, isn't regular. Like, he is something else entirely. Um, So it's no human, no regular man made it out of that thing alive. Well, and so they're able to... They leave the forest because, Mm -hmm. again, the longer you stay the worst things are going to be. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so they're able to leave and they do the summoning spell and the purifying spell. And um, unfortunately, everybody is just so wiped out that they can't do anything. Yeah. And so uh, Kasha leaves them. The book glazes over a couple of scenes that Mm -hmm. like they spend some time in one of the barns purging themselves. Yeah. Which is... Ugh. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun thing no. to read. And then eventually, uh, she is trying to heal uh, the dragon with mm-hmm. all of his burns, and um, it's working, but pretty slowly. Mm-hmm. So she tries to get Solia to help, and Solia doesn't give a shit. And um, Solia is the falcon, the falcon, the other yes. wizard. He is the prince's wizard coming from the capital. As you can tell, we're really big fans of this guy. And so the other thing that I think is funny is is after the queen is rescued, mm-hmm. the Prince Malik is very much about like um, 
Agnieszka has to stay by his side. Mm-hmm. Um, she can't leave. And, you know, like he wants to know where she is at all times. And, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if um, they ever really or if if it's ever really said as to why. Oh, yeah. They, it is later on when they're in the, the capital. I, don't, I can circle back to it. OK. OK. Um, yeah. But there is a reason. OK. And so, um, so they, the other part of this is once uh, Kasha comes back, um, the Falcon and Agnieszka were able mm-hmm. to heal um, the dragon's burns using yes. Agnieszka's magic, which Solia has never seen before. And, um, well, it's never, he's never used it with her before. So mm-hmm. he's seen her do the summoning with the dragon. Right. Yeah. So I think he assumed that the dragon was Did doing most, most of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah, so I think maybe he didn't realize how strong she was yeah. and that it's she like, really is worth something. It's like seeing two people on a, on a um, like, what are those bicycles where there's like two people on it? Oh, a tandem bicycle. A tandem. It's like seeing two, <laughs> two other people on a tandem bicycle and realizing it wasn't the one that you thought, <laughs> like, propelling it forward. Well, and the other thing is interesting, too, is everybody's so tired. They just went through this huge battle. Agnesha is has almost used all her magic yeah. and um, is very tired. And the prince is, at one point, he is doing pull-ups on a tree. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's a bro. It's because he's a bro. <laughs> like, if he were alive today, he would be in a frat, and then he would work for a hedge fund. <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. So the Falcon and Prince Merrick kind of drop a bomb on everybody now that they have a queen. Mm-hmm. So they are going to go back to the capital. They're going to take Kasha with them. Mm-hmm. And um, Kasha and the queen have to go on trial for corruption. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the the way that the prince frames it for Agnieszka is that the only chance that Kasha has is for them to make effectively a big splash with the queen mm-hmm. and be like, this is the fairy tale ending. I am the gallant prince. I've gone on this mission to save my mom and I've saved her and everybody look at her and how she's like not corrupted and then we can forgive Kasha as well. And it's it's this kind of cloak and dagger situation that really makes it so that Agnieszka feels like she has no choice but to go yeah. along because yeah. she wants to protect her friend. It's a little blackmailish. Like oh. if, if you don't go your friend's going to be put to death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I trust nothing that the prince says. <laughs> um, they all go to the capital, except for the dragon, because mm-hmm. he has to... So, he's hoping that when Agnieszka goes to the capital with everybody, he, she can bring 300 soldiers back to burn the woods. Because they were able to get the queen out and burn that heart tree, mm-hmm. the The woods is very much um, hurt, weakened. weakened right now. Because in so many ways, it functions like a single being. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like... It, too, has to recover as a whole. It's not just a bunch of trees. It's a bunch of trees that are one entity. Mm-hmm. And, and they just cut off a finger. <laughs> <laughs> it, what is it? What are those? Um, it's like a hydra. 
Yeah. You cut off the head of a hydra. Oh, that's so interesting that you said that, honestly, because the one of the reasons why the prince is like so renowned is because that story about him killing the hydra. Oh, yeah. But it's a baby hydra. And so the story itself is so much more hollow. And now this, the, this other great feat that he's done, as we're going to see how all of the like ramifications of it mm-hmm. play out. So they end up at the capital, yeah. And uh, the archbishop comes, and they kind of have to put on a show to show everybody that the queen is not corrupted. Mm-hmm. This has never happened before. Before Kasha, nobody was ever able to um, leave the woods uncorrupted. And so the archbishop comes, and they start putting all of these. Relics, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, they put a veil on her that was supposed to be like this this veil from uh, Saint Yadwiga. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I fell in How love with that remember? name. <laughs> I have a terrible memory for things that are important and um, a great memory for things that are little factoids in books. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they put a plate of armor steel pierced with a tooth of a dragon. Yeah. Which I just thought was so cool. Mm. Um, they so, have an arm bone from a saint. Yeah. The the dragon one, they're the tooth of a dragon. Mm-hmm. Like, for a second, I was thinking about the dragon when I was yeah. reading that. <laughs> and then I, it made me acknowledge the fact, no, there are actual dragons in this world. Um, and the one that we have is just like a metaphorical dragon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just his name. I, I do like that there are real ones out there lurking, you know? Or, you know, this is one of those false relics that, you know. Well, and so um, everybody's really interested when they are watching the queen. Yeah, there's like a whole parade. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. And they take both the queen and Kasha to to do all of this. They Mm -hmm. take them to this platform that has like a ready to go, like burning at the stake station, like like ready and willing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody was super excited to do some burning. Yeah. And uh, so then when it's Kasha's turn, nobody's really as interested. Nobody really pays attention to her, which blew my mind. Because Except Agnushka. Well, yes. But yeah. I mean, I just meant like the the peasant folk and like people at the capital and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, you have a girl that's a tree. Like, yeah. don't like I would if I if it was me, I would be like, what is that? I don't give a fuck about the queen. What <laughs> well, the is queen that? is a tree, too. Oh, yes. She, that's right. She has the same sort of physical she, you're, characteristics. I, you're right. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so I think it's you also got wrapped in the myth <laughs> of their spreading. Yeah. And um, but the, the queen herself as a figure is already so mythologized by the that's culture true, with her being gone for 20 years. Exactly. And, It'd yeah. be like if I don't know what's what's something relevant. It'd be like if somebody said, "Hey, King Arthur just showed up," um, and it wasn't just like a Twitter thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Oh, I should mention too that this is not the trial. No. This is just letting them into the town. Yeah, the the church wouldn't let them get any further. No, and so that's why the archbishop is there and and does all of this this stuff. And this is actually where we meet one of the other wizards, follow Father Balo. <laughs> and um, oh, Father Balo. Oh, poor poor Father Balo. Oh, Father Balo. They kind of go into it a little bit more, and and we'll here in a little bit we'll talk about some more of the wizards that we meet in my particular favorite. 
And so basically what uh, the dragon also tells Neshka is she must be given a name. Mm -hmm. She has to be put on the wizard's list and she has to be given a name. Otherwise, her testifying at trial doesn't mean shit. Yeah. So this is this is when you realize just how politicized so many of the roles in this Very. world. And it, I love that though that she had no idea because why would why a random know? peasant girl know any yeah. of these rules? <clears throat> and so the fact that because she has a drop of magic, she is like allowed to test for a position as like a a mage, uh, which is a powerful role in the society. Um, and I think the fact that the dragon didn't tell her about that yeah. is a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> but also I think he thought he had more time to get around to it. I think so too. And I think, I also don't think that he realized they were going to weaken the woods as much as they did. Yeah. Um, so she has a lot on her shoulders. She has to testify for her friend. Mm -hmm. She has to testify for the queen. Mm -hmm. She has to meet the king and ask him for men to burn the woods. Mm -hmm. um, she also has to deal with the falcon because there's something up between with the Prince Malik and the falcon. Like there's something else going on. Mm -hmm. And she also has to test to become a, a wizard. A wizard. <laughs> yeah, and all this stuff. Uh, they at first aren't going to let her follow the queen and, Ka and Kasha up to mm -hmm. um, the Willow, who is uh, this crazy healer. Yeah. And um, so that's something that they touch on early in the book, but it doesn't mm -hmm. go deeply into it, is mm -hmm. that most people tend to have like a specialty. Yes. And I feel like the dragon defies that a bit like he seems to be kind of a renaissance man when it comes to the magic that he does uh, but the willow is a healer like that's what she's known for and mm -hmm. the falcon is known for sight and then there's a couple of other ones that mm -hmm. do other things yep um and so she actually uses her magic to blind kind of the other guards and everybody to be like oh that's just a servant and so she she goes up to the tower mm -hmm. with with everybody like she busts like, into the castle yeah she like busts up in there i'm here bitch this is where i am now i don't care <laughs> where the rest of you are this is my house <laughs> well and it's funny to me too because she's still like in battle gear so she's all muddy and mm -hmm. torn up and and she doesn't care she doesn't care like all of these these prim and proper court people are just staring at her like she's a rat and she's yeah. just like I don't care because she wants to save her friend the whole this whole point to her is just to make sure that Kasha lives yeah and can go back with her again that that gravity of the female friendship mm -hmm. her most important people are what she's prioritizing and I fucking love that well and so one thing that the dragon told her was that she needs to make sure she is proper when she sees the king <laughs> and she doesn't even care about that like mm -hmm. uh she eventually does use the vanastalim before she goes to give mm -hmm. the king uh the dragon's letter asking you know explaining by the way she's a witch and i need 300 men hi <laughs> it, it's me your boy the dragon 
uh, we're fighting the woods. <laughs> and so, um, but it's funny because she only does that though when the Falcon finally does come to get her to yeah. introduce her to the other wizards and, you know, all of, and perform her um, magical rite, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, the other wizards that we come across, so this one's my favorite. Her, her name is Alosha mm-hmm. and she's essentially their sword. So her specialty is is forging weapons, yeah, like magical magical weapons. weapons, and so she has this amazing gigantic forge on site, and uh, one of the things that she makes, which I thought was really interesting, is uh, she makes these cannonballs that uh, once they they hit something, like they kind of explode no matter where they go in and stuff like that. Like it's this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. But she only they only have like 10 or 15 because it takes so long for like her to make Like 25 years or something to make one. Which is again, like evidence of how old she is. Mm-hmm. I think I think she's the oldest one of all of I think is the yeah. oldest. And she's also very cool. She Can is. we just say that? She is great. She doesn't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. And she really doesn't care about the Falcon and his conniving. No. She, she sees through that. Oh, entirely. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine imagine all of your least favorite co-workers, but they're your co-workers <laughs> for three centuries. Like, I would, I too would pull a, the dragon and go to a tower by a menacing wood. <laughs> and, and then we meet again, Father Balo. And he is known as the Owl, and he does uh, mainly their their book stuff. He keeps their library, and um, I just, love his like his his origin yes. story oh, though. Please, please tell them. He's apparently a priest, or he was training to be a priest or a mm-hmm. monk, and he was like scribe he was a scribe he was transferring books and one other priest noticed after like 40 years he wasn't (laughs) aging and that's how they figured out oh that guy's magic (laughs) so he tested and became a mage like (laughs) is that the dream no is it close to the dream yes (laughs) just be surrounded by books and then find out on magic like and then we also meet, oh gosh, Ragostock. 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 Yeah, who we later learn is Alosha's like many great, times great great grandson. Yeah, many times removed. Yes, like, and he's one of the only <laughs> the only ones who has any she magic. Him. <laughs> she she doesn't care for him that no, much. Not really. No. But I do like how she says that all my favorite nieces and nephews got my my magic. <laughs> so at one of at one point one of his family members was one of her favorites yeah. that I just loved. Yeah. Um, but then like the apple just keeps falling farther and farther away. <laughs> and then the tree can't move. So <laughs> well and he's he's you don't see a lot of him. No. But he when you do, he's not nice. He doesn't he just doesn't believe in her, doesn't believe in anything they're doing, doesn't I think he he would be one of the wizards that would just do things that would it'd be like self serving. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, this is another... I guess it's not esoteric because it's a very popular book, but um, The Name of the Wind has a character that reminds me a lot of him. 
uh, it's the wizard Heme at the university, and they they just seem like they're cut from the same cloth. Is this the one that uh, Ren, our your sister, just hates? Uh, she doesn't hate him. She loves the book. Oh oh oh! Um, Who's the character that she just can't stand? There's a character named Dana. She yes, that stand. one. Okay. <laughs> That's that's a story for another that's time. That's another story. Yes, <laughs> Rag Ragastock. Ragastock. Yeah. Like the entire time he's there, he's doing a project. Mm-hmm. He's doing his level best to ignore the proceedings. It's like somebody going to like an HR meeting and they take their knitting. Yeah. It's like you're not paying attention. You're not. I mean, I realize that this could have been an email also, <laughs> but I'm not going to be disrespectful and like knit, like be in agony with the rest of us. Yes. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, honestly, I, I'm fine in classes when people are knitting, but they're like, oh, he seems to be way more involved than mm. like he's, he's, he has a project. He's making Oh, what exactly is it that he's he's making like a headpiece something yeah the, like a crown almost mm-hmm. so he has all of these ingots of of metal and he's turning them into a crown like molding them with his hands which is neat but is it really useful i think he's showing off <laughs> i honestly think he's showing off yeah like yeah and the fact that his claim to fame as his many times removed great-grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, and then Solia is the falcon known for sight. And then Sarkin is the dragon. And I wonder more so if he's the dragon because he's closer to the woods and mm. has to always set it on fire. Oh, I like that. So that was—I don't know. I'm just pulling I mean, shit out of the air now. Because they're supposed to get their name at the, like the ceremony, I yeah. guess. I assume he probably got it before it. Probably that, yeah. because it goes to the yeah. woods later on, as we learn in the story. Because he, he he kept around the court and did some conniving for a while. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, so she has to do this right. And, and like we were talking about in the first episode, regular magic doesn't really work for her. Like the, when I say regular magic, the, the prescriptive. Magic, yeah. <laughs> the magic that these wizards know works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they're frustrated cause she's not really showing anything. She can't I, do the cantrips, no, right? But she can't, she, it's simple, simple things. And she's just, she's failing hard. Yeah. So they're thinking that Sargon just fell in love with her for no reason. <laughs> and like, you know, they were so mean too. Cause one, one, one of them was just like, she's not even cute or beautiful. Like why would Sargon fall yeah. for her? And it's just like, she doesn't owe anybody beauty. <laughs> well, and also the fact that that's kind of what she, her, I, I don't know, mystique around the capital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, ra- it's not just the wizards who think that. It's a lot of It's other a lot people. of other people. It, it reifies the fact that so much of her is being defined by one man's relationship with her. Yeah. It's like she is not of herself. She is an aspect of Sarkin. And that happens throughout and the book. Yeah. I think that's make I think the book is making a point about mm-hmm. specifically like a society like this. Mm-hmm. This society, which is a fantasy society, but vaguely based off of Eastern European like medieval culture. Yeah. Um and not it, really even medieval because there's still like Eastern European Europe 
some Eastern Europeans still think women belong in the kitchen. Blah, yeah. Blah blah blah. Well, some people, some Amer- some guys yeah. up the street, uh, around the corner. Yeah. yeah. Some people all around the world. My neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. My neighbors are actually really cool, except for the ones across the street. Fuck you if you're listening. <laughs> we don't want them to know about this. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, many people still do believe that the a woman's role is completely defined by the men in their lives, Ugh. and so the. Um, the fact that the this book is showing it in so many complex ways is really compelling, but it's also showing how a woman can subvert those roles. Yeah, that's true. Which she does constantly because mm-hmm. she's a badass, and I love her. So, um, so nothing is is working for her until mm-hmm. she finally just has enough and is just like. I'm not Sarkin's sex slave. Like, I'm not, I'm not faking this. Like, mm-hmm. I really was there. So she uses Fomia. Which is the... Which is a huge... It's like a... We, we massively to, powerful spell. Yeah, we compared it to, like, earthbending. Um, Last episode, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, tough. Yeah, <laughs> and so she... You have to remember, too, that they're in the middle of the capital in this castle, and she uses Fomia. Which effectively makes an earthquake. Yeah, and so... And it does. It shakes the entire castle. It shakes the entire capital town mm-hmm. that they're in. And then they, they're just like, oh, you're, you, you, you're be a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) You're a wizard, Agnieszka. But literally, I I also love that she pretty much uses it and then turns to them like, is that freaking good enough? Is that proof enough for you? I loved that. Are you not entertained? (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. Are you not entertained? Her confrontation with everybody who's trying to tell her that she's not enough. Like, yeah, and she is very powerful. She is very much She just doesn't know how to use it yet. Yeah. And, um, the other... Just, like, Toph in metal bending. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Man, I need This is now an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh... The other thing that I thought was really cool about this scene is they now that she, they know that she does contain magic and is very strong, they put her through the naming ceremony, and even that doesn't work. Yeah, and like they bring out the bell, this this bell, and it's you would think that it makes like a little ching ching. Mm-hmm. No, like they ring it, and it's it sounds like tr- you're right next to church bells. Yeah, and it's supposed to say her name, and it. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything. And so um, nobody knows what to do. So she decides, uh, oh, Alosha says, why don't you name yourself? And so she she decides that her own name is good enough. So yeah. she is uh, Agnieszka of Duvnik. Oh, I love it. I and love that. Yes. Which, I mean... I- Father Ballow is the only one that's regularly referred to as, as anything other than his like official title. Yeah. <clears throat> Except for Baba Yaga. Yeah. And who mm-hmm. is like she's mentioned all the time as like this kind of background thing and the entire time there's this connection between them. It's it's not necessarily like she's like the resurrection of her or something. Mm-hmm. But like She's her, like, true apprentice. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she also just named her damn self... Yes. ...is yeah. so powerful. Like, and, and uh, you really should go and read this, because the way that Naomi describes this whole ceremony, mm-hmm. 
I got choked up. Oh yeah. When she when she was just like, my name is good enough, and, yeah. and this is what I am. Well, and so often in especially in the lives of like rural young women, the way to quote unquote progress is through changing your name. It's through yeah. marrying. Yeah. And so the fact that she gets to retain her identity, despite the fact that she is like moving way up in society, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I just love, too, that she's still not wearing, like, the stuff that she's supposed to be. You know, she still walks around in in slippers and, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very simple dresses and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, finally, finally, she's able to meet with the king. Yeah. And he tells her that... Yeah, he got Sarkin's letter, and um, he thinks he can spare a company or two, maybe. Maybe. If they have to. Yeah, he kind of wants to see what's up with the queen first. Well, um, that and, I mean, the queen this entire time has been sequestered off. Yeah. With, I mean, Kasha's with her, Mm -hmm. um, but she's been sequestered with the willow. With the willow. Yeah. Yeah. And the willow won't even let the king see that. The willow wasn't even at Agnieszka's ceremony. No. And they do mention that the willow's not there. Yeah. And we kind of learn later that that the willow, she's very, she knows she's a witch and she knows she's a good witch. She doesn't have to witch you if you need something. Yeah. And so um, she kind of just regards Agnieszka as, as not really worth her time. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's <clears throat> fine. Like, mm-hmm. I I think that the Willow is a really compe- compelling character for I that. Do too. Yeah. Because, like... And you see a little bit more of her later, and and, mm-hmm. and she does some things that you're just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just like the fact that not everybody's going, oh, fawning after the main character. You know? Yes. That's the thing, is it's just like, nobody's interested in this girl. <laughs> yes, and except, she, for, except for the falcon, and it's creepy. And it's creepy. <laughs> yes. And, um, oh, and I should mention, too, um, she is very much alone. Mm-hmm. She can't her she can't see her friend. Yeah. She can't see the queen. She doesn't know how to get in touch with Sarkin. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know who to trust. Turns out they don't have instant messenger. Yeah. They don't have FaceTime. No. They can't do that. And so like I just imagine like you have all of this on your shoulders, right? Like yeah. you you have this entire thing that's going to consume the world and only you can stop it. It's it's huge, but I think she also does a really good job of explaining like like that fish out of water sort of feeling that she has. Oh, then. huge. She's from a tiny village mm-hmm. where she knows everybody's name and then she goes and is isolated off with this dragon for a little while and now she's in the capital city. Mm-hmm. And that's like she feels so un comfortable there and she's not sure who to trust like you said so she's trusting her gut in a well, way that's and this next part i thought was really and it goes more to like trusting your gut yeah and so the king ends up just having um his secretary write her name in in this book and mm-hmm. it's just some you know, a book i'm assuming just he'll come back to you and remember well i need to do this thing well just having her name written in this book gives her this sort of like celebrity status Mm -hmm. and so many people want to meet her and all this stuff and 
I, I read the book as like a like a register almost. Oh, okay. Like yeah. the the all of the magic users, we know oh, who they are. That's a, I thought it was more of like that's actually a good point because I I think that probably is more and I love this that like we have different Im- imagery. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But because I just kind of figured of oh he has a key he's a king he has a lot of the mind he may not remember he has mm-hmm. to come back and read it no yeah you know it, I think it's it's like an official thing like having your oh. name recorded as the oh because, is that the list that I think that's talking it. about yeah. oh my god it's okay oh so this my brain just blew <laughs> this is a weird little segue but um, it, I think it's so important to talk about in this context is that the lives of women um, especially but also most impoverished people or unimportant people in history mm-hmm. unless they were somehow recorded in something like that are completely lost mm-hmm. there's no record there's not like records of most people who have ever lived because there was no reason to keep a record of them um so like unless you were a part of a criminal proceeding or at your marriage which might be written down on a country like church's record or something mm-hmm. this may be the only thing that gives her posterity the only way people could could remember her after her death. Oh, it, like a legacy? Yeah, it's her okay. whole, whole legacy. Hey friends, it's me, Cole. I'm interrupting your regularly scheduled book rant for a brief moment because I'm so excited to introduce the very first sponsor of How to Bake a Book, Wild Fawn Candles. Wild Fawn is a small candle company based out of Portland, Oregon, and its founder, Ren Haynes, is a massive book nerd and a friend of the show. Needless to say, we're thrilled to be talking about these candles, not only because it allows us to help support a small queer-owned business, but also because we genuinely love these candles. I have an absolutely obscene amount of them around my home, and I light different ones uh, to set different moods depending on what I'm reading. Right now, I've been uh, obsessed with the Wanderlust candle. It's got this kind of coffee and something else scent that I can't quite put my finger on, but it just absolutely makes me feel like I am wrapped in a big old fuzzy blanket. I absolutely adore this candle. You can find all of their scents on their website, wildfawn.com. That's spelled W-Y-L-D-E-F-A-U-N.com. Wild Fawn's candles are handcrafted using the highest quality materials and the utmost care. They're 100% soy wax and have custom blended fragrances. These candles are perfect to add an extra kick of comfort to your day. And Wild Fawn would love to offer How to Bake a Book listeners, that's you, a limited time discount good through the end of October. To get 10% off your entire order, just use the code BAKEABOOK at their website, wildfawn.com. Again, that's W-Y-L-D-E-F-A-U-N.com. We'll put the link in the description, um, but I cannot recommend this candle enough. Get the Wanderlust. It is so worth it. It's incredible. Now back to the show. Back 
to the podcast. So she gets all of these invites and everything, and and she's, again, really overwhelmed. She just wants to go to trial. It's been three days Mm -hmm. since uh, she named herself. Still no trial. I feel like there's, like, almost a, a... Uh, an instance of like decompression that's happening there too. A little bit, yeah. Because she was in crisis for Mm -hmm. so long and then suddenly nothing's happening. And she doesn't know what to do with herself. So she does decide to go to dinner and just start talking to people and maybe the more people she talks to, the more sympathetic people will be to her cause. Yeah. Because maybe is kind of, I think, what she's thinking. Yeah, because the minute her name was put in the book, the minute she became somebody potentially powerful, everybody starts like pouring out of the woodwork and starts inviting her to things. And the Falcon is just right there telling her who she should and shouldn't go eat with. He shows up in her room. Yes, first of all, gross. (laughs) Yeah, he shows up in her room. He comes out of the shadows Mm -hmm. to like... Oh, that's right. (laughs) It's like, can you imagine... I would never turn the light off again. Like, ever. If some guy can materialize out of the the shadows shadows in my corner? No. No. That would not happen. Like, he shows up and starts telling her, oh, well, you should trust this person. I would go start talking to this person. They can give you social leverage. And he thinks he's doing her a favor. The entire time, he keeps, like, offering to do magic with her. Mm -hmm. And it's nasty. It is very... It's Like, she does a super good job of giving the crate vibe on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, she clocked him from a mile mm, away mm-hmm. and was like, I want nothing to do with him. And so the other really interesting thing that uh, is sets her apart kind of from everybody else mm-hmm. is these, these ladies don't walk. They... <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to leave the castle and some guy asks her if she wants a box and she's yeah. like why would I want Why a box? box? I'm, I'm walking. <laughs> and so these ladies, they go around house to house but they sit in these these huge boxes. These palanquins. Yes. And they're so, like carried by these servants. Yeah, guys. by these poor footmen. <laughs> and so that way their, their dresses don't get dirty. But... In that that first house that she shows up at, she realizes she's got a little bit of dirt at the hem of her dress. Yep. People make fun of her. and People make fun of her immediately. Immediately. And so you, at the end of this, we think she's made a friend, Lady Alicia. Yeah. Oh, so, um... So, we get, like, fantasy mean girls. Yeah, it, it, this girl was was not nice. And I'm not going to go into everything, but uh, she gets her comeuppance in mm-hmm. a very embarrassing way. <laughs> and um, she she's going to be embarrassed for... Ever. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, she seems like one of those people who's, like, a social climber anyway, mm-hmm. but she, she seems like she may have peaked and how far she can actually climb. Yeah. So her strategy is now to bring other people down mm-hmm. below and, her. And so you think that like she's being nice and you know she gen- gen- genuinely wants to be Agnesia's guide through mm-hmm. the capital. Yeah. And you just find out after days and days and days that she was mocking Agnieszka the entire time. Yeah. And I just it, it I didn't realize it at first, and then there was, like, a couple sentences, and I was like, that could be taken as, like, a backhanded compliment, almost. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that Agnieszka has never been in a situation no. where, where somebody's doing that, mm-hmm. so she doesn't have the, like, the training to look out for it, you mm-hmm. know? She doesn't know to go 
to to think, oh, bless your heart, doesn't mean anything (laughs) other than, oh, bless your heart. (laughs) I love that. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. So, uh, and just the way that this girl just get the way that Agnieszka gets her revenge, I just think is perfect. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So the, the, we'll move a little bit further along and she's still bored and still no trial. So she goes into the library Mm -hmm. and just starts trying to find books that might help her try and communicate with Sarkin, might help her try anything to help Mm -hmm any of the causes that she's currently doing. And this really mirrors that scene earlier on in the book where she was going through the dragon's library and she's just kind of feeling for something. Mm -hmm. It's not like she's necessarily reading the books. She's just trying to find something that feels like it connects with her in the way that the Baba Yaga book did. Because she's thinking that this library is like the great archive of all of the mages. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's something else like that. Maybe Baba Yaga has another book. Maybe she had a friend who also did some writing. I don't know. Um, But so she's she's searching through all of these books trying to find that connection. Mm -hmm. And she she's feeling some books like she's she picked up a diary or not a diary. She picked up a uh, kind of like a spell book from mm-hmm. um, somebody that was from her village in 1267. Which I don't know what the year is now. Which I don't know what the year, is, what the year is now, but uh, that but, sounds like a very long time. You're given to believe that that was a while back. Mm-hmm. And so the the more interesting book that she finds that she comes comes across is a bestiary. Yeah, but specifically that book was like in a little room Mm. kind of sequestered away yeah because we find out father balo is the one that kind of curates this library he's the (sighs) one that what a dream job (laughs) he's the one that if anybody is hiring for um the librarian at fantasy library (laughs) magic library hit me up (laughs) she comes across this bestiary and it turns out it was a present from the Rosians 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right around the same time that the queen went missing. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that this bestiary is heavily, heavily corrupted. And she, as she's going through this, this book, it's just beast after beast after beast. Yeah. But the more she goes into the book, the more they feel real. And um, so she immediately closes it and calls for Alosha and Father Balo. The thing that gets me with that scene is that she's sitting there, she's gone through books for hours. 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 And I can sympathize with this feeling. I went to college. <laughs> just be, I did too. Just looking for that nugget of information yes, that you like, need. Please. Somebody. Just like that agony of research. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's really rewarding and lovely. And sometimes you're crying on the floor reaching for whatever book is nearby. <laughs> and that's effectively how she finds this one. Is she's, yeah. She goes off to this other like little room in the library. There's a bunch of books there that aren't yet like cataloged and put up. And it's just sitting in a stack. And she blindly grabs out and feels for it it's like it's there on purpose and so through talking with Alosha they figure out that um, the town that Agnieszka is from mm-hmm. is essentially a channel like it it lures people there and that's why nobody's ever moved nobody's ever moved from this town that I is think so close whole, I think it's the whole valley yeah, the, yeah. And, and it's so close to the woods yet nobody's ever moved and this goes a little bit into more of like a 
you know, like she has roots and, you know, her roots are to her family and those mm-hmm. roots are also from the wood and because the valley is so close to the wood and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it makes a little bit more sense why the wood would want her so much if she is so powerful. She already has ties to it. Mm-hmm. She's already a channel for yeah. it. Like, that that would make more sense to me. Oh, for sure. But um, this book specifically, they mm-hmm. realize is also... Sorry, I feel no, like I just... No, you do it. They, they realize that this book is also an aspect of the woods. It's deep. It's like a piece of it. She, like, practically throws it away from her body and calls for the other magicians to show up. Mm-hmm. And they, they circle around it like you know, a sixth grade uh, group of friends looking at a Ouija board. <laughs> like, they're, uh, they're tr- they are treating it like it is pure evil, and um, they're, they're very wary, and they realize that, the, like, as Agnieszka is talking about it, she's like, the paper came from the trees. Which is insane to me. I didn't even, like, when they were talking about this and they said, you know, it was a present from Rosia Mm -hmm. and then you realize that it's it's actually part of the tree. So you, who knows how long this corruption has been sitting there. Sitting there. Or existing in the first place, Mm -hmm. just waiting to be deployed. It's an inanimate object with an agenda. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool. Like, the way that she contextualizes it, she almost makes up a story of how it would make sense that it becomes like she doesn't know this for a fact but she imagines like some scribe wandering into these woods and making the trees into the paper and then Mm -hmm. drawing the stuff on there and binding it up and sending it off well and you also find out too that you know alosha alludes to the reason that the falcon takes girls from her valley. Oh, the dragon. Or dragon. Did I say falcon? Yeah. Oh, goodness. The falcon would probably also take her girls from the valley. <laughs> probably not use them in the same way. God, I Ugh. freaking hate the falcon. I don't like the falcon. And um, <laughs> so she kind of alludes to the reason that the dragon takes these girls. And, and it's because they have roots to the woods. And after being away from it for 10 years, they're able to go away. Like, they, yeah. they don't don't feel the the lure or the attachment there yeah they're able to to go away and never be seen again yeah. and then it starts to make sense to Agnieszka about why the women that go and stay with the dragon leave mm-hmm. why they I mean he gives them money and whatnot yeah. to go get settled and all of yeah, that yeah. as a dowry like if, if they want to go to college he'll do that if they just yeah. want to get married he'll do that if you yeah. know none of them ever stay in the valley and I think part of it is because to the people in the valley they've become so strange yeah. and so disconnected mm-hmm. and uprooted if you will yeah. and, <laughs> and also because you know they they can leave well, and the other thing that Agnieszka, and this is a little bit more of like a deeper subject, but Agnieszka realizes that she is going to live a very long time. And mm-hmm. Alosha, the Willow, Rogostock, they have very little empathy. Mm-hmm. And and she didn't fully understand why. Mm-hmm. And she gets it now. These these people have lived hundreds and hundreds of years. Like, at some point, you just stop caring. Yeah. I think she, that's also when she starts to make active decisions to not be like them though yeah like you get you get to learn a little bit more about um alosha's backstory and like her which is yeah her place in the world like all of it (laughs) but but she realizes what can harden a person like if you have 
a love of your life and they die and all of your children die and all of these people die everybody you're ever connected to yeah. it makes you strange and different and estranged from humanity and cold. yeah so she kind of throughout the book kind of battles with that sense a little bit too because mm -hmm. you know these wizards are just like it's just a person let kasha go who cares if she lives who cares if she dies yeah and um, there's still no trial, so we still don't know what's going on. At this point, I think it's been almost a week. Yeah. And um, so as Alosha and Father Balo are trying to figure out what to do with this bestiary, mm -hmm. the fucking falcon bursts in like a friend that you don't want at your house that comes at like 10 o'clock at night and you're just like, why are they you They just here? invite themselves over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least he didn't creep out of the shadows again. <laughs> and uh, announces that the trial has started. Oh, oh of course. Convenient. It's like they didn't want her to be there. Yeah. We also kind of learn that the king wants to move on. There's some political understories going on as far as like, it's been 20 years, king wants to move on. It's strange to me that he hadn't already. Yeah, I thought that too, especially with, well, he already had two lines of succession. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe it took him a long time to... Maybe he needed the closure. Yeah, because on the Rosian side of things, their story has always been the queen went willing and ready to go. Yeah. So, like, the Rosians are, are the mortal enemies of, of the Pol Polonians. Polonianes? Polonianes? I don't know. I don't know. How do you, anybody who's smarter <laughs> than me, please, please let us know. How do you conjugate that? Nicely. Please yeah. let us know nice. Polonians? I think it's Polonians. That, that feels be? that feel that has a good yes. mouth feel. Yes, it does. Oh, why does that gross me out? Mouth feel. <laughs> anyway, I just I found a new blip. I'm so sorry. Oh. I can't believe I've done this to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you see my face when that happened? <laughs> like all all like the magic and joy in your face just like Gone. drained away oh now it was like i turned into the falcon oh like i don't even like moist and that kind of stuff that those words don't bother me i work in healthcare. It, yeah yeah mouthfeel mouthfeel is so disturbing it's descriptive Ugh. it's descriptive of a thing you didn't think you needed to have described and i'm sorry <laughs> okay so going back to this <laughs> <laughs> the falcon who also has a bad mouth feel oh stop <laughs> um they decided to do the the trial right now mm -hmm. because um the king wanted to remarry mm -hmm. and if that happens a lot would change oh yeah and um so they're effectively trying to force the king's hand. Yeah, to stay yeah. with this queen. And and so, um, oh, going back to what I was saying, the Rosians think the queen left willing. And um, the Polonias think that the Rosians stole her. Because you have to remember, too, she had two young kids mm -hmm. when she left. So it was it was very uh, shocking. Yeah. And um, and there, the she and the king were supposed to have like oh this, this amazing, amazing love story exactly. Right? There was something uh, ballads were were sung of their mm -hmm. um their the romance the romance yes. <laughs> <laughs> a 
amazing. Um, so, uh, so the trial starts, mm-hmm. and um, people start um, testifying. The Willow testifies and says, "Yes, there is no corruption. However, she is." wholly changed mm-hmm. and we don't know what that change means yeah. um the queen still hasn't said a word she barely drinks she barely eats um is just a blank slate pretty much yeah um i remember at one point prince merrick tries to feed her and that's even difficult and he like throws a bowl in anger. Oh yeah, he has a little fit. A and, fit. A, uh, <laughs> a, what, did, what did you call him? A frat boy. Frat <laughs> He's a bro. Uh, oh god, those bankers. What did you call him? Oh, hedge fund guy. Hedge fund. Hedge fund bros. Yeah. yeah, he just has a tantrum. Is what it is. <laughs> like, mm, hate that guy. So people testify, and. Uh, the king still doesn't really seem impressed. Mm-hmm. And the the more that happens, the more Prince Merrick gets angry. And he actually goes and makes a move to kill the king. And then all of a sudden, the queen yells no. Yeah. This is the first time we've heard her speak in a week. To, she hasn't done anything Nothing. until then. And, like, the, the impression you're getting is that they're trying to wait until all of the fervor is dying down mm-hmm. and then just quietly have her put to death. Yep. In mm-hmm. the background when nobody's yep. looking, you know? And that was kind of the plan because, again, like, and I and I wrote in my notes, I was like, it's been 20 years. Let the dude bone. Like, like come <laughs> on. Are you presuming he hasn't boned? Well, he hasn't had some extra marital boning. But their love story, remember? Like, it was, so, like, the queen was his only for him and only, you know... Love, love and lust are two different things. That's fair. There's probably... A- there are many people in love who don't lust. And there are many <laughs> lusty folks who don't love. And That's fair. Or many people who think lust is love. And those people are typically wrong. <laughs> <laughs> those people are also head fun bros. <laughs> so it's interesting, too, because the queen goes on to say mm-hmm. that um, she did not leave a traitor. Meaning she didn't leave on her own. She was taken. And she goes on to say that Vasily, who was the Prince of Rosia at that time, bound her to the tree. Yeah. And not him. He didn't, you know, bind himself or like whatever. Which may be true. Which it could be. Because she was like fully encased in the tree and he wasn't. Yeah. That's, oh yeah, that's true. Maybe that's what happened. But I also like... This is going to sound wild. I also like that that's not necessarily, like, hammered in. Yeah, I do too. I I like having it, just like the the protagonist of the story, I like having a couple of messy little fringes of, like, unfinished... Not not unfinished, that's the wrong word. I, I like that not every loose end needs an explanation in this story. Mm-hmm. Is that? Well, are, are you following me? No, or am I, I love I... that because I, I'm a Capricorn, and so like I, <laughs> I'm a Virgo, <laughs> and so like I need things to be like neat and tidy and like same, you know. And and I even like my my learning style. Like when I was in um, nursing school and stuff like that, like. Uh, I have to learn A to Z. Friend, I can see your notes. <laughs> <laughs> there are pages and they are beautiful. Oh, no, and it's they in are this crazy. No, it's this beautiful <laughs> purplish kind of uh, 
like ink and it vacillates between <laughs> print cursive, and cursive and print <laughs> in the most satisfying way you've ever seen. All of you notes takers out there, Mary oh, is your dream. No, please don't. God, you know, it's so funny because we ever have a Patreon. <laughs> I do something fun with my Patreon notes. Oh, they won't like mine. Oh, I put so too many things on post-its and then just consolidated it. How do you do that? I couldn't do that. Grad school tried to kill me. <laughs> That's how I did it. <laughs> it put me through the ringer. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so That's going, the story. So going back to this story. The queen says, no, I didn't leave a traitor. And um, so basically now... Prince Merrick wants to go to war. And I think this is kind of like what he wanted in the, the first place. Oh, he just wants more stories. He wants more glory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And killing a baby Hydra wasn't... Um, good enough. Good enough. Because yep. you also have to remember that everybody thinks it was like this fully grown, like, thousand pound Hydra. Yeah. So, earlier on we had talked about the relationship between him and the Falcon. Mm. And like, what's going on in there. And mm. it's as he's talking about going to war that there's a very small scene where he and the Falcon are talking and they're looking through this magic mirror at this encampment where there's a general almost already... Oh, are you getting to this? No, I go ahead. Okay, um, the, I didn't write the, any of that down. I forgot. There's this general in a tent that's getting ready to go to this war. I think it's a couple of days after the trial, this, this moment here, so I'm skipping a little ahead. Mm-hmm. But it's because... He wants to be the one to go in and get the glory, yep. so he'll be crowned when the king goes down eventually. Instead of his brother. Instead of his brother. And the falcon wants that to happen because he's in the prince's pocket. Mm-hmm. So if he's in the in the prince's pocket, he'll be much more important, and he'll have all of this more all this social status he doesn't have already. So that's why they're like with each other all of the time. Mm-hmm. They're very much in cahoots. Yeah. Cahooting. They're cahooting. They're cahooting. Well, and that's one of the reasons why he, why the prince wants Agnieszka around as well is because he wants the magic. He does say to her, you, um, uh, you will go with us when we go to war and you will, so you can make his magic stronger. Yeah. And she, she says no. Yeah. But in that same conversation, she, he says, and when we come back, will get married. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so he literally just wants to keep her in his pocket, too. Yeah. In the most patriarchal way of all time. And so, like, she's... And I just love that she is just, like, absolutely but fucking not. It's not it. happening. Like, that Yuck. is not happening. Yuckaroni. <laughs> Yuckaroni. <laughs> um, and so, like, she kind of walks away when, like, there's some other conversations happening, because um, Prince Merrick is very much like, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which makes me sad for her, because the whole thing that she's trying to do is just save her people. Like, she doesn't yeah. she doesn't want anything of the mess. She yeah. doesn't want the glory. She doesn't she even want to be She didn't want any of this to begin with. No. <laughs> she just wants to go and... Take a nap. And take have a nap some good, somewhere. hearty peasant bread. Yes. <laughs> Peasant bread. Oh, man. I like a good peasant bread. Like a a cob loaf. Excellent. Yes. But they only want her to make the falcon's magic stronger. Yeah. Again, it's it's, the woman is only as good as the man she is feeding into. So the next scene that kind of happens as as she's trying to get away from this, the queen comes in and um, she 
glance, it's it's very the scene is it's almost in slow motion. Yeah, that's how I read it too. Yeah, yeah. Where you know the the queen is talking to like her ladies in waiting, and um, Agnieszka goes to look at her, and and the queen barely makes eye contact. I mean, just. Barely. I think it's important to note that she's still doing that thing where she kind of cloaks herself mm-hmm. from the gaze of everybody else that's around her. Yeah. So she's creeping around. Yep. And so everybody else's gaze just glances right off of her without connecting. Mm-hmm. But the queen connects. Connects. Yeah. And like, I mean, just, I mean, it's like a, was that eye contact? Was that not eye contact? Yeah. And the reason that this is important is because that little bit of oh, did she see me? She freaks out and she tells Kasha, I've made a mistake. Yeah. Because she feels the woods. Looking back at her. Looking back at her (laughs) in that one tiny little moment. See, and and it it is such a quick moment. The the fascinating thing about that moment, too, is that the queen and, like, the rest of the court are leaving the war room, pretty much. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they're they're all in there, and the queen is wearing the um, tiara thing that Mm -hmm. Ragnarok... Ragnarok had made. <laughs> Ragnarok? Ragnarok had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, for the first time, she has, like, a personality going on. She's yeah. wearing things other than the shift she had been mm-hmm. wearing. Like, there's a change afoot. But it's interesting to note that she has all of these things on her that are supposed to f- show corruption. Mm-hmm. And she's not showing corruption, but all of a sudden... Agnieszka feels the wood on her. And she has the realization that it, there's no queen there to there's begin no with. Queen. It's just the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's, then, like, and I think uh, in my notes I was like, that bitch is corrupted. <laughs> so, but you, you can only be corrupted if there is a part of a whole that is wrong. That is still there. When yeah. the whole is the woods, there's no corruption. Like, do the Luthes summon Lu- Luthes Luthe Luths summoning in <laughs> in the forest, and it's gonna be the same. So now she's really trying to to figure out a way to contact Sarkin. She she's is on her own, freaking out. She's on her own, <laughs> yeah. and Sarkin is on his own. Mm-hmm. And um, so she starts just kind of messing around with the illusion spell, mm-hmm. and changes it in some way and it's never really said how she's able to do it Mm -hmm. but she's able to to essentially get in touch with sarkin i think it's that channel sort of thing not not to the valley but it's almost like they made a channel between them when they connected their their magic oh using that particular spell yeah Um, oh that's really interesting i I like that that. i think that's just how the magic works in this (laughs) world but no i like that that's really neat i also because i didn't put that together I also like that she doesn't get how she did it. No, I just Sarkin. Sarkin's like, how? So Sarkin basically says, like, the wood could have sneaked anything in. A seed, a fruit, like, anything. And she realizes it snuck in the bestiary. Yeah. She runs to Father Balo mm-hmm. to, to try and help him. And he's been left alone with he's it to been figure left out alone what to do with it. To figure out what to do with this book. <laughs> Poor guy. And... The seed that they're looking for of corruption is is this book. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, 
She has to go down to the library because there is a crazy monster in mm-hmm. the castle. And um, do you ever realize something? It's a just a little slob. too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Toguslav. Do you know slob. what that is? I don't. I don't either. And I, I googled it, and it was terrifying. Is it? Yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up because I was just going off of the like the image the in my Im- head. Yeah, yeah. She's able to use this. This weather spell this very simple sort of farming cantrip of making it rain yeah and she turns it into light a lightning spell mm-hmm. and kills this but that lightning almost wipes her out as well i mean lightning is three times hotter than the surface of a sun i can't imagine that it's a pleasant experience being that close to it yeah so. it's not like um i met a patient once that was struck by lightning and she had that crazy tell me um, everything Uh, lightning pattern and stuff and um, I mean I can't go into a lot because I hit the hit the laws (laughs) but um, she she just told me her her experience and um, she poor dear was reading next to a tree (gasps) what happened to the book Oh dear, I didn't ask. Oh no! I think that I'm concerned about the human and you're concerned about the book. I have some priorities. This is why I'm in healthcare and you're not. This is why I'm in books. (laughs) And that's the podcast. Um so she she's able to kill this Togoslav or Togoslav or I'm I don't I'm not Polish I'm sorry and um so she runs into the library to either find Father Father Balo or or the book yeah and instead she finds three dead bodies Mm -hmm. one is Father Balo one is a guard and the other is the king (laughs) Dun, dun 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 I mean, honestly, Father Balo deserved better. Yeah, he deserved better than being crushed to death by this giant monster. You just are just like, okay, that's insane. Like, the king is dead now. And and it turns out that this bestiary, if you read it, that you turn into whatever monster you were reading about. It, which how is, insane is that? How horrifying. Oh, like, no. Also, incredible storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I don't have very many small children in my extended life. Um, I am not a parent. But I am, uh, I have friends with kids and siblings with kids and stuff. And I just want to, like, tell that story. (laughs) This story, you you turn into a creature. So she also realizes at this point, um, after everything's gone on with the king and Prince Malik now is going to go to war. She realizes in order to do the summoning, the loose summoning spell on the queen, it needs to be done by two people. Yeah. And the the reasoning that I thought behind this, I thought was really beautiful, is uh, truth isn't truth unless somebody else hears it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> I loved that. I love that so much. And so uh, the she- crowned prince comes with his wife and they have two little kids oh little kids they're so very cute and um oh. i imagined these children as like the most precious children i'm not gonna lie that <laughs> no, I, I, I again i don't have kids i don't want kids that's fine people great be parents that's wonderful 
I imagined these children with the buttonest noses and the sweetest, highest little voices, and I wanted to protect them. <laughs> oh, man. I just... The the ki- things that these kids have to deal with in this is just so sad. I know. But uh, there's also, like... It also super makes sense when you consider that they are not just kids. They are also a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And that is the protection of the monarchy. Yeah. And the continuation of the regent. So, basically, the queen gets a letter... Conveniently, Conveniently. After the king's dead, that uh, Rosia and four companies of soldiers are coming. Yeah. And this, and uh, Agnesha knows that this is BS. Like Total they, bullshit. Yeah. So she wants to uh, get Kasha and just flee. Yeah. Well, a bunch of stuff happens and the prince dies and then... The crown, the crown, crown prince. prince dies. So the crown prince actually went in the yeah. the other prince's stead because Alosha was Prince Sigmund. Sigmund, yeah, yeah. Alosha uh, had told him that pretty much if if Merrick goes and does this, there's no He's way you're going to be, be the crowned. king. Yeah, and so Alosha seems to be looking out for the best interest of the country, which is great. Yeah, she doesn't care about these politics. Exactly, she cares about the people. Yeah. So the thing that absolutely kills me is that like he suits up and heads out to war, and the last thing he says to anybody is looking at Alosha and telling her to protect his family. Yeah. And like that goes badly. Very badly. Very badly. Because he gets killed. The the whole thing turns out to be an ambush. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's traitors afoot inside of the castle. Lo and behold, as soon as the queen is there, all of these things start going very awry. And um, as Kasha, uh, as Agnieszka is trying to like get everything together to escape, she goes back up and finds Alosha like very wounded and the crown princess dead. And well, and there's these guards that they have to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that they're corrupted. They're corrupted. And they were trying to get for trying to go for the children too. Yeah. They're trying and to murder the entire legacy. It's so sad because um the it's written at at one point that the princess put the kids in this wardrobe and then stood in front of the wardrobe no matter how many times she got stabbed or whatever. Oh. She just her will was strong enough until she just slumped down until physically there was probably not yeah yeah any sort of energy or mm-hmm. adrenaline left mm-hmm. to even keep that going yeah yeah so it becomes clear that the the wood is trying to completely dismantle the royal family and so Alosha just says take this which is a sword that she's mm-hmm. been working on for decades and it's only good for one hit but it's incredibly strong. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like a guaranteed win against whatever the thing is that you're hitting. And so Agnieszka takes the children from the wardrobe and yeah. the sword. Mm-hmm. And gra- Kasha. And grabs Kasha and they hightail it. They flee. Yeah. They flee. They have just kidnapped the <laughs> royal kids. <laughs> yeah. like, ostensibly the person, the, the prince here, the little princeling would be the next in line. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing that um, I think is she's able to make a boat. You, yeah, <laughs> like, I love it. She just takes some reeds and she she makes a spell and she makes this boat. Yeah. And so she knows because of the way the that this this 
country is set up is that spindle will take you basically back to the tower. So that's kind of her plan is to take <laughs> and the poor, poor Sark and the dragon. He has no idea what's coming. No, no he clue. Has no clue. No clue whatsoever. And then she eventually makes um, oxen out of, of mud. mud. Like golems. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> it's, it's this incredible like it to me it's almost like a Studio Ghibli film. Yes! Like, yes. It, it's magic I think the best you can see it where it's not overanalyzed. It just happens, you know? And I, it, it feels magical when she's like, I'm making a little mud pat and it's going to turn into a giant <laughs> oxen and they're going to take us further up towards the tower. But every now and again, I have to patch the oxen up with some fresh mud. Yeah, which it was just so like, because you don't think about like the, you know, magic is just supposed to be magic and work forever. Yeah. But if there's no mud, to, you know, and eventually, like... <laughs> it's going to dry it's out. It's going to dry out. <laughs> exactly. And so it's just, I love the thought of repair. Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I, one of the things about this scene, like, this is very much a we are traveling from point A to point B scene. Mm-hmm. But there is this extra, like, emotional element yeah. with the little boy. With the little boy. And he's he, so protective of his sister. Very much so. But he was also so prepared to learn that his family had betrayed him? Well, his first question, very first question out of his mouth is, did Uncle Merrick do it? Yeah. Which, and this boy is like nine, seven or nine. Yeah, he's, he's little. Nine. <laughs> and um, and uh, his name is Stashek. Stashek, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he is doing everything he can to help with two people who, I mean... Under all the circumstances, he should look at as his kidnappers. Yeah. But he trusts them. He trusts this wooden woman and this witch. And I love that. Um, And he's also doing everything he can to keep his little sister safe. Oh, and she's just a peach. She just, she holds on to Kasha for dear life. Oh my God. Yeah. Like she has imprinted on her. Yes. (laughs) Like a little duckling. She's like, this is my person. Um, And so they, they make it closer and closer. Mm -hmm. They can see Sarkin's tower. Yeah. They can see it. And um, unfortunately, one of the um, falcons that the falcon can turn himself into. Lo and behold. Yeah. It, it spots them. Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of stuff happens. They're firing arrows at them. Mm-hmm. like um, And the arrows are, like, tipped with, with metal ma- from Alosha's forge. And so they're supposed to, like, hit their target. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, and... Uh, There's this scene when they're coming through the pass and they've had to give up on the wagon. Mm-hmm. And... Kasha turns with the sword. Mm-hmm. It's just she has a sword in hand and she tells Agnieszka to take the children and run while she's gonna hold off an army. An army. And she has every intention of doing it. And it is such a badass moment. It's like, it is like the, I, I think the most like cinematic moment mm-hmm. I have like, I've read in a long time. <laughs> like I just imagine her hair like whipping around as and you see like And she's a tree wood, woman. You see the wood grain on her yes, skin and yes. she's about to mess these guys up. Because one of the things that's mentioned is, you know, these arrow, arrows will pierced her but she's fine she's made of wood she's fine and so she just pulls it out keeps going bye (laughs) and um so she decides that 
as long as the kids and Agnieszka are safe, that she can hold this this army yeah. down because they're not coming to the town on like this wide open road. Mm-hmm. It's a very small, um, narrow pass. Narrow almost. path, yeah. Yeah. And so if they can get past her, however, they then will get a lot more space. Yeah. And um, so and the the poor the little princess oh, is just losing it because she Kasha's wants to gone. stay with Kasha. <laughs> so it was so sad. Oh. And uh, so basically, she so Agnieszka desperately is just trying to get into the tower, but mm-hmm. she sees all of these men in yellow uniforms um, down at the bottom of the tower. Yeah, and she doesn't know. She just thinks it's it's a trap. Like people are waiting for her. And earlier on in the book, the chimera that we mentioned in the last episode was in this place called the Yellow Marshes, mm-hmm. which like I think she she makes the connection that these are the men from the Yellow Marshes, which is part of the country, but like they still may be working for Prince Merrick. Yeah, Who knows? they they could have gotten word. They could be waiting there for her. So she uses that crazy illusion spell mm-hmm. again. And however, she's able to she's able to transport everybody into the tower. I it's almost like she reached through a window. Yeah. And then the dragon like grabs her hand and, and pulls, pulls her, her through. through. And yeah. it's uh they go tumbling out into this like at, like a strategy meeting mm-hmm. with the the um Who's the leader of the the Yellow Marshes? It's Baron uh, Baron Vladimir. Baron Vladimir. The Yellow Marshes. And the dragon are having <laughs> a strategy plan. Yeah, because at least somebody in this town is smart because, you know, they get the notice about um, the queen is, is back and, and they were going to go to, like, her, like, welcome back kind of thing. And then they get the notice about the king being dead. And then they get the notice about the prince being dead. Yeah. And then they get a notice about them going to war. So <laughs> Vladimir, instead of going to the capital, is like, oh, I'm going to go to the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Um, I do, too. I love the way that, that Vladimir frames it. Yeah. Is that, like, I'm, I I need you to tell this story that I had lost my mind or something mm-hmm. and I had gotten corrupted because if I die here, I don't want them to go back after my family, too. Exactly. That yeah. I was a tra- If I'm a traitor on purpose, yeah. they'll kill everybody I mm-hmm. love. But if I'm just a little corrupted, then it's fine. They have clemency. And so... The so the the other really messed up thing is to get around Kasha, because the Prince Merrick and Kasha essentially start to battle each mm. other. Excellent, and it's such a good scene. But he does something really awful and essentially pushes her off of this cliff. Yeah, and so poor Agnieszka just sees this dust her, path, loses it, yeah. and the, it's so funny too because the dragon just use, just is just like points at her, says some words, and then points at the floor, and then all of a sudden, there's Kasha. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes it seem like not a big deal. It's Earlier on in the story, we see that he can travel around magically in the valley, but only in the valley. valley. And I think she crossed the line, technically, into the valley when she fell down the cliff. And so, like, he has domain almost to summon her there. 
I just think that's neat. Yeah. Like, at least, you know, I'm, well, I think it's neat, and I'm glad that she didn't die. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, can you imagine tumbling down a cliff and then, like, <laughs> opening your eyes and you're in a tower? I don't know. I think that'd be kind of neat. It'd be a story I would never stop telling. And so, um, basically, Prince Merrick and the Falcon go to war against this tower. <sighs> And um, they're able to magically make some um, some walls and stuff like that. Which I love how they do that. Yes, I do too. It's literally Agnieszka taking taking the Fulmia Fulmia uh, spell and almost like inverting it mm-hmm. and using it to to form the walls. She takes dough and then she starts pinching it up while using Fulmia to like have the dough stand in mm-hmm. to mold these walls around. It's amazing. Yeah, because the the Baron from the Yellow Marshes only has like so many men, but Merrick has like thousands. Thousands. So we're we're starting a siege situation mm, against one magical tower. Yeah. <laughs> As we know, the tower doesn't like to be breached and they may have to knock. <laughs> and the, the other thing that is interesting to me is this whole time Agnieszka hasn't given up on Prince Merrick, on changing his mind to fight the wood instead mm-hmm. of fighting them and and Rosia. Yeah. Like she she is hell-bent that she can change his mind. Yeah. And um, I should also mention, she feels the queen there at one point. She can sense her. She can sense her. Yeah, which is horrifying. Yeah. So the queen right now is embodying the entire woods. And so she's acting on the woods' will Mm -hmm. and telling Merrick that, you know, the dragon is evil and so is Agnieszka and they've stolen these children. and And she just wants the children back. And she definitely doesn't want to murder them no, at the bottom of the stairs of a tower. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, English history buffs. <laughs> <laughs> so my other part, favorite part of this is it's like the, the it's nighttime now. And uh, they're trying to fortify the tower the best they can. And they've done everything they can. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, they decide to try and take a quick nap. Yeah, they decide <laughs> to take a quick nap. And she's never actually gone down to the dragon's room before. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because there's this huge rug. rug. And it starts with just the tip of the dragon's tail. And then you keep following it. And it turns more and more. And it gets more and more um, embroidered and more detailed. And you mm-hmm. start to see, like, the shape of the dragon. And um, they uh, she ends up going into his room, which... It's it, the room. I think is hidden unless you follow the rug right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing that I I came across, I was like, so she just walks in there, and I'm like, if he's this dragon, wouldn't he have so many things like on his room to be able to make it so nobody can walk in there, yeah. let alone find it? I think I think partly is that he is comfortable that nobody's going to have the audacity to do right. that. <laughs> like, how dare you come into my personal space? And so, uh, she, she, she she's like, I'm ready. She goes in there. <laughs> he's sleeping. 
And she just gets right on top of them. Oh, yeah. They definitely do it. So it's so funny to me because at the beginning of, of like hit of her trying to initiate all of this, he very grumpily says, I'm over a century years old. And she just kisses him to make him shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he it. just goes with it. Yeah. And he's, he's totally fine. Like, yeah. He, he feels like he has to put up like a little bit of a... I got a very thinly veiled, like, I definitely think you should reconsider this. But he he super wanted oh, to be with her. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because she kind of has a, a um, epiphany after they have sex of, well, what, what, what do I do after all of this? Because she doesn't want to stay... In the tower. Yeah. She doesn't want to go back to the valley. Mm-hmm. And she, she doesn't, doesn't want, to go, want to go to the capital. She doesn't want to go to the capital. And so she's she's just like, I, I, I don't know what to do with myself now. And so I'm just like, girl, that is something to worry about another day. <laughs> I, think, I think that's one of those, like, gallows <laughs> moments, though. If I make it... I think more than anything, she was trying to figure out what to look forward to after if she made it, you know, like if you can keep that in your mind, you can get through this moment, but she didn't know which thing to keep in her mind. Yeah. 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 Well, she finally settles on that. Like after everything is done, she kind of just wants to be the village witch. Like, you know, just... I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't, Come right? on! <laughs> peacefully, and if, you know, like, occasionally you need to make a love spell, why not? And make it happen. <laughs> just like the journal that she found yes, in the library. Yes, Yeah, she can be the next Baba Yaga. Which, I mean, she kind of is, She right? is, yeah. yeah. She totally is. Um, so she then just goes back up, up to her own bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, the next day... So it's I, not even the next it's day. Not even it's the like next later day. that it's like, night. It's like a couple hours later. They kind of crash and cuddle a little bit. Mm-hmm. I assume she's the big spoon. I'm the big spoon. I'm five I, two, and my husband's six four, and I'm the big spoon. But I like I know both of you. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have big spoon energy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm gonna make you a T-shirt that says "Big Spoon Energy." Please do. Oh my I would god, love that <laughs> big spoon energy. Ooh, that can be some of our merch. <laughs> oh, we're doing merch. <laughs> you heard it here. We're doing merch now. It's big spoon energy. You just I love- mean, it does tie into yeah, the brand. right? I yeah. think so. You can eat with your big spoon energy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. You should have cut, uh, cut me off, please. So I don't know um, how deeply you want to go into this, but my notes just basically say a bunch of war stuff happened. I appreciated this battle. I also felt like it went on a little long. Oh, it went on very long. It really did. I am not I am not what you call a war guy. Um, <laughs> You're not? No, I'm not. Turns out. I am instead what you call a narrative person. <laughs> I, want, I want there to be um, some more story happening less fighting. Yeah. I, you know, I my favorite book series is Throne of Glass. Mm-hmm. And there's basically a whole war book yeah. in that series. Oof. And it, I struggled. Yeah. I struggled. And, again, I don't want to like alienate anybody that's no, like this is the best like, scene in the that's book your but thing. like that i even don't like it in movies yeah you know like it's, it's just it's not my thing that's totally fair i think um, i think the interesting takeaways from the battle for me were how much magic was being used to so yeah so, com- to complement it all so they're going to battle with rosia after 
all of this stuff happens at the tower still. Yeah. And they're using those magical cannonballs that I was talking about. I think maybe in the last episode or earlier. Earlier in this one, one yeah. Um, and there's only like... Ten of them. Ten of those. And, and they have all of them. And I they think. have all of them. And they have used at least four yeah. that I can remember. Yeah. And so it's I, and so I wrote down, I was like, why would Solia and Prince Merrick use so many magical canyon, mm. cannons if they're going to war next? Because the queen told them to. Um, I think that's what it is. I think the oh, queen... Oh, and by now, yes. So, Agnieszka felt the queen. Yeah. She is there now. Yeah, she she's has super... A, she has she, a tent I, and everything. She came with them. The other thing is they're using Alosha's um, arrows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Sarkin and Agnieszka are uh, using their magic to, like... Like practically throw the arrows away. They're like yeah. practically snatching them out of the sky. Yeah, which is really neat. I think the most impressive thing for me though is that they make when they were making the walls around yeah. the the tower, they pretty much made it like an interlocking maze. Mm-hmm. So you had to go in one way and then around the other way and then around the other way like a little maze so that the yellow marshes men could pick them off in yeah. between yeah it's, and that's actually a big part of the battle that mm-hmm. comes up is essentially there's like a tunnel that you can't fit more than one person through yeah and so, like, Merrick is, is still pushing them all through. Yes! He's uh, insisting that they just go to die in the tunnel. And and th- these yellow marshmen... Yellow marshmen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! Uh, I think we missed out on a big opportunity to make yellow marshmallow men. <laughs> these, these men from the yellow marshes... They're, I mean, this is an easy battle so far. Yeah, they're picking them off. Until Mm -hmm. the queen gets involved in the battle. Because she, like Kasha, is made from wood. And so she can't be pierced by Mm -hmm. um, sword, by uh, arrow, nothing. I I don't even think that a well-barbed insult could take her down. It takes me down every time. Oh, me too. Oh, Easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she barrels into the tunnel after these men. Yeah. And then Sarkin finally resorts to using necromancy. So, yeah, that's the thing that I just... It, blew, it just blew my little brain. Because yeah. he was he was tired of losing men. And yeah. um, uh, by the time the queen gets involved, a lot of the yellow... The men from the yellow marshes are, are gone. Yeah. So he grabs this uh, the book that he grabbed from the library he disca- describes as a hideous book oh and i think that like that was even even uh Agnieszka doesn't feel right she has to leave yeah she's like she feels like icky about being around the book and it's not even like it, it's such a strong reaction yeah. it almost repels her yes it's like it's maybe the exact opposite of the kind of magic that she does. Maybe. Uh, it might just be that. But <laughs> he uses it to bring back to life all of the men that had... Well, not to life. but Animates them. Animates them. Yeah. And uses them as, like, puppets. Men on both sides. Yeah. It, to go after the uh, soldiers yeah. and buy them more time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It the, is not a. It is very well written, but it is not a pretty scene. It is not. Yeah, um, content warnings for folks with that one for sure. Um, but the uh, 
the thing that I appreciate the most is that the Baron and like the remaining men fall back into the tower mm-hmm. and he confronts Sarkin and he's like, You could have warned me, buddy. Yeah. Because <laughs> <He's like, laughs> right. he was like he He's like, There's my second in command coming back to life and yeah. stabbing people. Like Oh god, I just to to put like reality in it for mm-hmm. a moment. Like could you imagine, you know, oh. like you're in a battle and you know, you see your brother die or, or your best friend or whatever, and yeah. then like ten minutes later you see them up and around lifeless in the face, yeah. but stabbing, stabbing, stabbing people yeah. all over. I think that's one of the things that this book does really well is it takes all of these extraordinary things and brings them like so that they are present. Because Agnieszka and the rest of the villagers are so unfamiliar with magic like they've never seen it so the first time she sees the dragon do magic it makes her like queasy Mm -hmm. and so even the mundane magic makes her uneasy so the big horrifying magic is going to actually horrify her yeah yeah so eventually the queen makes it through yeah and what was interesting to me is she's using magic She's using vines and thorns and all of these things to and like. Still, Merrick can't. He doesn't see, see it. Yeah, and he's he's so blinded to the truth of what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's evident to everybody else. Agnieszka, at one point, instead of seeing the queen, she sees a giant silver tree. Yeah, yeah, and that I think that's the point that she tells Kasha to take the children down to the tomb. Yeah, yeah, they actually. Um, I think all of them end up going down to the tomb. So Merrick and the queen make it down to the tomb as well. The last of the men from the Silver Marshes die. Yellow Marshes. (laughs) Oh, the Silver Marshes. (laughs) Well, they're going to be silver if the queen gets a hold of them. Um, But they they die protecting the stairs. Yeah. So the queen and everybody go down there. They try and use the loose summoning spell on her to show Merrick that she's corrupted. Mm -hmm. But again, they don't see anything and they figure out it's because there's nothing to see. She's literally an empty vessel. Like the, the, the queen is a marionette. Yeah. And that, like, when they come to that realization, it was such a creepy moment. Oh, so, so creepy. So creepy. And the, um, so there's no corruption. There's nothing inside. There's no organs. Mm -hmm. There's no, she's 100% empty. Yeah. And so this is when they refer to her as the Wood Queen. Yeah. And the Wood Queen emerges. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the, what's interesting too is, and I don't know, do you do you think this was a vision that everybody was seeing, or do you think that this was a part of the wood showing people like her her backstory? So a memory is um, they see the king laid to rest, and there's a queen there, mm-hmm. and um, somebody tells her stay. You can stay as long as you need to, and. Um, they mention a man who has, you know, like a very kind of grumpy face. He doesn't, he no. doesn't want to be there. He doesn't mm-hmm. like what's happening. Blah 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 blah. Well, um, they end up bringing her in mm-hmm. with the dead king, and 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 it's essentially entombing this 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 woman and making a prison. Yeah. And so, uh, in in the same 
memory, she makes a statement that says uh, the queen vows to kill them, their children, and their children's children. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we just got a glimpse as to why the woods maybe are as mad as they are. Could be. The wood queen, perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, for me, I thought that that was still, when I was reading it, and I could be definitely wrong here, um, I thought that was still the summoning showing them what oh, was going on. Oh, yes, you're right. I don't think they had finished the summoning That's by true. that point. Yeah, so, like, they, they were, kept going. Yeah. yeah. But then, like... Then the queen goes after Merrick. Like, the fact that he begins to realize that he's been led astray by this woman right as she she kills him. As they see the truth. As they see the truth, it destroys them. Yeah, and so she literally rips his heart out. Yeah, it just... And so now you have to think that the king is dead, both princes are dead... Yeah, there's the tiny baby princeling. And so the tiny baby princeling, uh, he's next in line. Yeah. Poor, poor boy. Poor little guy. And he just watched his uncle's heart get ripped out of his chest, too. Like, he's not having a good day. No, and I imagine that little girl is going to have so much trauma. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I don't know if they have fantasy therapists. (laughs) I hope that they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How do you get through that kind of recovery without a fantasy therapist? At this point, Solia decides to be, um, oh, I don't know, a good human being. <laughs> <laughs> and starts to um, fight the Wood Queen as well. Mm-hmm. She, um, I'm not going to do a very good job of explaining this, but essentially she just kind of bursts into like these wisps of black smoke and yep. can escape through like the little cracks and stuff in the tower. I think she realizes that she's cornered mm-hmm. and makes the decision to stop to being the queen. Oh. I think that's what happens. Okay. And so she retreats the the wood retreats back to the trees. Oh, you know what? Actually, I remember now why she retreat retreats back to the trees mm. because Kasha tried to neck her. With the sword. Yes. yes. You're she, right. She tried to use the sword. Ugh. And, um... God, it, I love Kasha. Oh, she's such a badass. She is. And, uh, so they, that's what happens. So they, they try to merc the... She tries to merc the queen. Yeah. And the wood knows that that, you know, would essentially take care of it. So, right? I... I yeah. I What's interesting to me there means that enough of the the wood is embodied in the queen's body at that point mm-hmm. that it would have been a killing blow or yeah. maybe just the implication with it being a magical killing sword i don't know but the fact that that would have been the thing to kill it instead of like burning down the whole forest you know so uh solia wants all of a sudden he's you know after wanting to kill the kids, he's now deciding where oh, they I go. Oh, I have to protect them. And Kasha's not having it, so she decides to take the kids to the ocean city where the wood can't, um, well, they think <laughs> can't really be reached, but corruption, as we know now, can yeah. go anywhere. The, I, the kids' <clears throat> grandparents on their mother's mother side, side is live there. Uh, yeah. Which was where... Um, Prince Sigmund? Sigmund? Mm-hmm. Sigmund. Sigmund had wanted her to take them in the, in the first, first place. place. Because apparently the ocean is stronger than the corruption of the woods. And I don't know why, but I, I buy it. Me too. 
So now it is just Solya, or not Solya, I'm so sorry. It is Sarkin. now Sarkin and uh, Agnieszka. Mm-hmm. And they decide to go through, follow this this river and try and, and find the Wood Queen and, and essentially the heart trees mm-hmm. and um, burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they now understand that there's something going on deep in the woods. And mm-hmm. one of the things that leads them to go to the river specifically is some just like a almost a throwaway line that Alosha had said earlier yeah. on. I mean she's like, where does the spindle end? No it doesn't come out in Rosia. It doesn't come out in Polenia. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't come out here. It goes into the woods and never comes back. Where does Where it go? Where the fuck is this river going? <laughs> and so Agnieszka connects those two dots and goes, whatever oh. is going on in the woods, I bet I bet that's what's eating up this river. Mm-hmm. And so she and Sarkin decide to, to take a little canoe and use the same spell that she uses to get past the guards to try and disguise them from... The well, trees and and the the wood is on like high alert. Oh yeah. So there's walkers everywhere. There's those giant um, mantises everywhere. But also all of these other monstrous beasts that we haven't seen before. Like yeah. there's a it's this there's a boar mm-hmm. with uh, red eyes the size of a pony. Oh my god. No, thank you. No, I don't want no, that. Nope. I, you know what? I, I thought about Princess Mononoke. Yes, that's what I thought of <laughs> I too. Thought of, oh my god. I I watched that when. I watched that movie that that scene horrified me so much um if you're not familiar listener to what we're talking about highly recommend a watch of princess mononoke i think that you'd enjoy it uh they they go down the river and um she i love this saying she just tells the the boat that she made we're just sticks and uh what did she say we're just Sticks leaves and leaves. And, and twigs. Yeah. Yeah. We're just leaves and twigs, leaves and twigs. And that way, the woods can't see them. Yeah. Oh. Which I think is brilliant. I think it's so... Like, how many leaves and twigs fall onto that, that river, you know? It's like, if you're going to hide something, hide it where nobody's looking. And nobody's looking at a leaf or a twig on mm-hmm. a freaking river. And the the river eventually gets a little bit more shallow. They they end up closer to like a waterfall where there's some some fog. But the deeper that they go into the forest, and the more that they follow this river, there's more and more heart trees. And they're bigger, they're older heart trees. Huge, yeah, like yeah. redwood style. Yeah. And eventually, the the boat that they're in, um, they're able to walk in the water and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I was thinking about, and I. I was wondering if she was just still using magic and was to, like, her and Sarkin were just, like, were still just leaves and twigs. Yeah. Or if somehow the water made them invisible. I don't know. I don't know. I imagine that she was continuing to work that spell until they get to the the overhanging tree. Mm-hmm. Which, like, the, there's a big heart tree that's on a boulder right by this waterfall. And it's, like, overgrowing this boulder. There's almost, like, this little, like, nook underneath it where the the roots have grown out. Like a wayward pine. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a beautiful so cool. description. Yeah. And then there's, at the base of it, this pool and it's the water is still 
There's no birds. There's no small animals. There's no sound. It is silent. Yeah. How creepy is that? So creepy. And on the other side of it is this enormous heart tree. And at its base is the wood queen sleeping. Yeah. She's essentially like healing herself because she has like the the tree that she's in front of she has its roots kind of wrapped around her her Mm -hmm. legs a little bit and Mm -hmm. um there's some flowers around her and that kind of stuff yeah so uh sarkin and agnieszka uh are shocked first of all yeah because they go from this kind of dreamlike moment yeah. of like With going down the mm-hmm. river or slowly pretending they don't exist and then suddenly they see the wood queen as real so sarkin decides that they should pour the fire heart fire heart down her mouth <laughs> oh and that's what they do yeah they walk over and she pours it in her lips and then backs away quickly yeah yeah and the queen the wood queen lights Starts burning up on from the inside fire. and so does the tree yeah it is terrifying <laughs> this this whole chapter was really intense oh, because yeah. The the wood queen is trying to save herself. She's trying to save the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they realize that she she can't pick up the water with her hands because she's on fire and it just steams. Yeah. So she, she with her magic makes a rock bowl. Yeah. And starts drinking the water and pouring mm-hmm. it on the tree and from this ostensibly magic little pond. Yeah. So she's using this magic water to try and quench this magic fire, which the, I mean, the symbolism galore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just the way that they, she describes the, the queen screaming mm-hmm. as if it's a thousand different voices. Yes. Like that I thought was oh, so really interesting. Powerful. But then the queen... The queen suddenly changes tactic and starts to go after them. Mm. And uh, the, like this battle starts to ensue. And the only thing that she can think of to do is to get rid of the heart tree that was like what she thinks is powering her. And Agnieszka uses that lightning spell again and splits this tree in half. The queen starts panicking and starts to like try and fit it back together. Mm -hmm. And then realizes the only thing she can do is take one of them and graft them into the tree. Almost like a coffin. Yeah, yeah, like a co- but a coffin that is also a bandage because she's just trying to save the tree by giving it another life force to feed off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Agnieszka is trying to get out, Ugh, that she, moment was horrifying. Oh my god! I, like the feeling of the tree, the way she describes the in, feeling of the tree, entombing her Whoa. was oh. Uh. And so she she's trying to fight her way out, and she kind of goes into. Like, another memory, like, another plane, almost. She goes into this, like, other space that the people in the trees are in. It's almost like... so... It reminds me of... It almost reminds me of, like, a dreamscape. That it's a shared space that all of these people in the trees are in, but she is in a very specific moment of it. And it's this tree and somebody in particular inside of this tree leading her through a memory of somebody else coming down this river. And it was the Wood Queen from many, many moons ago with this handsome king by her side. They're on these canoes and there's all of these other people coming after. And it's 
humans. And you realize pretty quickly that the people that are there aren't quite human. There's something else. They're humanoid in my head, at least. They've lived in the in this forest for a very long time. Yeah, for a and very long time. Part of the reason that the queen went to go and, and marry this human king in the first place is she felt like her people were losing their humanity. Yeah. So it it's maybe there was an inherent magic in the forest to begin with. Yeah. And it was starting to change the people. Or it could be something else. Uh, it's not a hundred percent explicit. No, it's who not. they were. And yeah. It, it, it's almost but I kind like, of like that. I do too. It's like a myth, but also a myth that you know is based in fact. And you have this this woman that's there who ends up being the queen's sister yeah and she's leading agnieszka through this memory Mm -hmm. of the wood queen coming back and meeting the people with introducing the this human king to everybody at this tree or not at this tree at this pool this pool this pool which is apparently magical um and none of the trees are there None of them are doing... Like, there are trees, but none of the silver trees are yeah. there, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> so in this this other world, like, uh, the queen's sister is showing Agnieszka her memories and, like, why things are the way they are. Yeah. And it's written, it's written really beautifully. Like, I'm not doing it justice. It, it, again, it's like a dream at this point. And... And she's able to, like, talk to Linnea, is the Wood Queen's sister, Mm -hmm. and ask her questions and everything. And basically, after the Wood Queen was entombed, she can't die. Yeah. We learn that she is immortal. Immortal. The reason why she was entombed in the first place was because these people were starting to, like, come in toward the forest more and more. And the Wood Queen was not about it. And they wanted to so they entomb her so she can't stop them from doing this because that's the home of her people mm-hmm. and Linnea is acting like this guy the the story is very sad and and you can understand why there's so much anger mm-hmm. and and so basically after uh, the wood queen gets entombed she can't die, so she, they were just gonna leave her there for forever. And how heartbreaking yeah. is that? Yeah, Linnea is now leading these people in yeah. the trees, and mm-hmm. they decide to start changing. Well, they do that because um, the people that entombed the queen are coming to kill all of her people. All of them, gonna wipe them all out. And so a lot of them were injured, and and so Linnea just starts changing everybody into trees (laughs) into trees to save these people she uses the magic fruit from like some mystical tree yep yep and feeds it to them and then they turn into one of the The heart heart trees trees. yeah and it's it's and even the little kids turning to turn into saplings yeah but the the way that it's described is that the wounded and the old and the people who have Mm. like baggage and stuff yeah they're not quite perfect no. But the kids are straight and perfect yep. and supple and, and they're beautiful. And they produce the most fruit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so then we learn that she takes the last fruit mm-hmm. and she plants herself right 
where the wood queen had been laying, yep. she is that giant heart tree. She is that tree. Ah, the one that Agnieszka hits with. <laughs> and so Linnea explains to Agnieszka there's nothing she can do. She's gone. This is a yeah. memory. This is this is a a one-time thing. Yeah. And so she isn't this is like an like almost a ghost yeah, of a thing. Pretty much. Like, yeah. Like a just the very last like essence. a leftover of yeah. the magic that she had. And basically says, I can keep you here with me and you'll stay with our people in this world, this dreamscape. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Or, you know, you can Climb out. Climb out. <laughs> yeah. And the, but the one of the other things that it mentions in that time is that what happens with the Wood Queen because she does escape. She does. She yes. does, and she tries to go back to the woods, and it's she's about to go and eat some fruit, and she sees these men trying to cut down one of the heart trees because they find this beautiful mm-hmm. silvery tree, and of course they want to take it, and then she loses it and destroys them. Yep. She this is the first time she takes a person and grafts them into one of the trees, and so mm-hmm. you. You, you see as she goes to lay down and meditate with it how she becomes kind of rhizomatic and takes over the forest to protect itself and she won't let herself go into this like dream world mm-hmm. because she needs to keep them all safe she needs to keep everybody safe Yeah, oh. isn't that just it's heartbreaking heartbreaking it's heartbreaking <laughs> oh like i hated the wood queen and i oh, don't I did too i don't agree with the wood queen N- me neither but i i get it and i i think that that's one of those perfect moments of why is what is this person's motivation to be quote unquote evil yeah and i get that motivation oh it's it was her everybody mm-hmm. and so she she, she was she fully betrayed to, she exactly she she leaves to a foreign land. Mm-hmm. They betray her. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back and everybody is either dead or a tree. Yeah, exactly. So wouldn't you want to protect all those trees? I know. I would. I, I, you know, I watched Fern Gully too many times in my youth. Of course, oh I want to protect the, the trees. The Betty Rap. Oh, my God. The name, name is Betty. It's a map. Okay. And now this is a Fern Gully podcast. I'm okay with that. (laughs) So um, she's able to kind of get out of the dreamscape. Sarkin is doing Lucy summoning. He's trying to do the loose summoning by himself. He's trying to guide her back out. And I think what what effectively ends up happening is that it makes that magical connection again and kind of pulls on her and shows her the way. She makes it out of the tree on her almost on her own almost on her own well yeah. he's injured trying to do the yeah. summoning and, <laughs> and the, the queen, queen is, is like, like trying to strangle, strangle him, him to death. yeah um, have you <laughs> and I, I love the imagery of the queen too because after all the fire it's her skin is described as charred wood yeah and so as she's strangling us, as I'm like strangling myself, please as don't do that. <laughs> she's strangling Starkin. She's leaving like burning mm-hmm. wood imprints into yeah. his his like skin. brands almost. He, you know, it makes sense though. He's the dragon. He should be burnt three times in this book. That's fair. It just keeps happening. 
So uh, Agnieszka is is pleading with the queen to let Sarkin go. Because she's actively trying to murder him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Sarkin is still doing the summoning that if he lets it collapse, it, it'll destroy the whole glade. Everything. It'll yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a bomb. Yes, that he's trying to hold on to. Uh-huh. The interesting thing that is said here is Agnieszka says the queen, she's lived too long, remembered the wrong things. And so to me, that was like, she's lived too long and she only remembers the negative. She can't remember like love or empathy. She's or, only living for violence. She's now, only living for, for revenge. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Well, I think that really comes back to your point about empathy as well mm-hmm. is she is remember she has failed to remember that she needs to be empathetic to the people who are living now they aren't the people who entombed her they are just randos in a village they're just yurzy trying to buy a cow you know he just wants his wife to be happy and have some okay clothes so she she tells the wood queen you're we're meant to go you know, I met your sister. Like, we're meant to let go. Mm-hmm. And so the queen calms down a little bit after after realizing that Agnieszka has come out of the tree and told her that she met, met her, her sister. sister and all of this stuff. And, and I highlighted this because I just thought it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it says, the wood queen finally looked at me then instead of through me. <laughs> and it says, and she says, I couldn't go, she said, and I knew she tried. She'd killed the tower lord and all of his soldiers, and she planted all the fields with new trees, her trees, her people. And she'd come here with her hands bloody to sleep with her people at last, but she couldn't. She hadn't been able to take root. She'd remembered the wrong things and forgotten too much. She'd remembered how to kill and how to hate, and she'd forgotten how to grow and how to love. All she'd been able to do in the end was lie down beside her sister, not quite dreaming, not quite dead. Ugh. And to be that creature, mm-hmm. okay, that person who mm-hmm. can't remember how to die, how, how to, to do anything, on. yeah, it's, except for murder and yeah. hurt. And, oh man, it was just so poetic. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's a beautiful book. And so she, again, she can't die. They can't kill her. Mm-hmm. They can't, you know. So she just decides, and I, I think this is a very unique ending. Yeah. She decides to just go to sleep. Yeah. Well, Agnieszka makes her an offer. Mm-hmm. She says, I can graft you to your sister. Yeah. I can make you part of one of these trees. Mm-hmm. And I think that I mean, it seems like she had, it had never occurred to her that that was even an option. option. Yeah. The the fact that she could be with Linnea forever and be with her people again. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, fix the tree that she was trying to fix with Agnieszka. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh so, sorry. So oh. good. And so like, good. It's... It subverts that I'm just going to kill the thing that's trying to kill me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a step away from the violence begets violence. It's this violence has begot a different ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think at one point, Agnieszka says something about that. Is she's like, I don't want to keep creating hurt. 
Yeah. And I, I'm just like, that is oh, so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So basically how the rest of this goes is she doesn't want to go back to the tower. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to go back to the capital. Mm-hmm. So she's going to cleanse the woods. That, that has become her new mission. That is, is her to, new mission. To set things right. Yep. Because she's realized now that all of these <clears throat> trees are people. Mm-hmm. And all of the people who have been grafted into the trees are living in this nightmare. Yeah. And she tries to usher them to the dream side instead. And, and I, I, oh. I... One of the, the more imagery things that stuck in my brain is... Um, you know, after Sarkin goes to the capital to clean it of corruption, mm-hmm. um, she starts going through the woods and she it, takes her slippers off and she goes barefoot. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. she comes across a walker mm-hmm. and gives him an apple that is not corrupted. Yeah. And he takes it very like cautiously and then eats it and, and then, all the other walkers helped start to her. Trust her. Start yeah. to trust her and help her to point out yeah. like corrupted trees or corrupted animals yeah. or. I also love that they. I just thought it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. Like it's a, an incredible moment. I also love that part of her work starts in that the last town that fell is Zatochek. 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 Um, she went to the heart tree that had been planted in the town square mm-hmm. and inside of it was like the town leader, like the mayor or whatever. I don't know. What <laughs> um, and he and his family are all in this one oh, that's tree. Right. Yeah. And she gets the family out and they, they cleanse them of the whatever remnants of evil are still like kind of metastasis. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's like again it's like an infection just because the root is gone doesn't mean that all of the infection is gone the leader of the town is so heartbroken and so happy in the dream place that he decides to stay in the tree yeah like oh 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 my gosh (laughs) oh my god like that got me well the other cool thing too is as she's going through and planting new trees and stuff she comes across this this animal, this cow, I think, mm-hmm. and um, it's just like, where did you come from? Like, just you don't come in here. What animals do don't just come around here. <laughs> and like, uh, then she sees this little girl come mm-hmm. up, and like, and they have a small exchange, and uh, Akneshka realizes that the little girl has magic and can yeah. control these animals. <laughs> she just pretty much tells her and, to come back and yeah, see her sometime. And she just she finds a kid with magic, and and I wrote down and and tells the kid to find her when she gets older. Literally the. I think one of the best parts about it is that that kid is on the Rosian side, side of, yeah. of the, the wood. Mm-hmm. So it's this other like rival country and it's just like a little girl leading her life and starting the process mm-hmm. of people like trusting the wood again. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah, I loved oh. it. And she makes like a little hut almost. Yep. Like um, a Baba Yaga style yeah. like witch's hut. I love it. I love it so much. And the walkers, she leaves fruit for out. them. Oh. Yes. Oh my god. Like a feral cat. I love it. <laughs> and so the the more funny part of this ending is Kasha will write her letters from the capital. Mm-hmm. So little the little prince was uh, made king. His mm-hmm. grandfather will be regent for a while. Mm-hmm. And then um, <laughs> she writes to uh, Agnieszka and says two lords, an archduke and Solia oh. asked her to marry them. <laughs> and fuck no. It's absolutely fuck no. not. <laughs> yeah. And like she goes into the letter to just be 
like, no, who who are these men? Absolutely not. And who the fuck does Solia think he is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he's literally just trying to get more clout. Like, he can now say that he was in consideration for her hand. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And because she is like such That's a powerful person yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking and, hate that guy. Yeah. And I think I said that Kasha was made captain of the guards mm-hmm. for the for the new little king. I mean, how who, amazing. Who else would you trust but the woman who threw hands in, in the fight to save your life mm-hmm. while you're trapped in a closet? And then to go back on what you were saying on the... Uh, getting people to trust the woods and stuff again so she goes to a new town every saturday Mm -hmm. and like introduces herself i'm the neighborhood witch nice to meet you hey what up (laughs) um so she's celebrating at this house and um it's like the yearly festival yeah at at this point it's like a a yearly festival and she's Mm. celebrating like with her family and and stuff and um all of a sudden Sarkin shows up yeah and I love I love the ending of this book because it's literally like her realizing that Sarkin has come out of his tower yep he's come to see her he's meeting her literally halfway between her home and his home so he is (laughs) starting like metaphorically and physically he is meeting her halfway I mean I'm an introvert but at least I go to like my friends houses I know right like but the fact that he's realized that he has to be the one who is acknowledging if we want to her exactly because she is like the one cleansing the woods and yeah he has his little tower or whatever but She's doing an important job. And the ending of the book is just so perfect because, like, she realizes that he's there to see her. And she's been dancing with all of these guys mm-hmm. around, like, the fire and stuff. And she sees him and everybody, like, gets immediately all clammed up because the dragon is there. Yeah. And she's just swaggers over and takes his hand and says, come on, meet my mom. <laughs> and that's how it ends. Is it's just, it. like, she grabs his hand and she goes, "Come on, I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna have you meet my mother." Yeah. And it's just, it's just oh, perfect. It's honestly like I feel like the the last like half of this episode is just us gushing about yeah. how much we love the <laughs> ending, and I can't gush enough because it is it is a way of kind of decoupling the violence that you so often see with like war and aggression and revenge and all of that and figuring out that like, yeah, okay, Wood Queen, very much a problem, but maybe you don't just blow her up. Maybe there is another way. <laughs> well, and I love too that when he gets there, like she's eating uh, like this uh, really messy apple sort of oh my God. thing. Like how many times have you been at like uh, and you're just mowing down? Yeah, you're, yes. you're at a fair, you're at a festival, whatever it <laughs> is. You've got a caramel apple, and you are a mess. <laughs> and so she starts licking her fingers clean, yeah. and then goes up to him, and he says to her, that's appalling. <laughs> and she goes, they're wonderful. They're all coming in ripe. And he looks at her and says, all the better to turn you into a tree, and blushes. <laughs> and so she says, I don't want to be a tree yet, happily. And uh, and then they talk a little bit, and then she says, come and meet my mother. And I reached out and took his hand. I love and that's it. how it ends. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of the apple that she's eating, what did you make? So for, for my stuff, um, for my food item, I decided to make the breakfast that she always makes for the dragon. Oh, and so I did uh, eggs over medium, 
and uh, I did like a ham slice. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like ham, so I made my my husband eat this. Oh, I'm sure it was a big hardship. I know. And I did it with like rosemary, sage, oh. and uh, uh, applesauce. Amazing. It was really good, actually. I mean, I mean. Literally, it looks beautiful. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, again, I have food restrictions, so I can't eat pretty much oh, any of it. Me and you both. But yeah. it's beautiful. And then I made like this uh, really oat heavy sort of bread, mm-hmm. and I can't eat that either. So I gave <laughs> that to Robbie, and I made uh, like a cherry um, preserve mm-hmm. to go on top of it. Ugh. Um, because in the in the book and I and I didn't highlight what page exactly, but she goes and she talks about it often. And in the beginning of Uprooted, how she has to like learn to cook him breakfast, yeah. his meals, and she's never done any of that. Um, I thought it would just be really fun mm-hmm. if I went and got like some really cool looking plates and. Stuff. Yeah, can we talk about those <laughs> real quick? There are going to be pictures galore. Pictures. This the plate that she has this stuff on is like absolutely incredible (laughs) it's really neat like it's almost like an alabaster the texture it's it's amazing it's gold and black and gray and like and so it looks like dragon scales yes and so i i did that and i made some apple juice and some tea and so um if you guys want to check that out those Mm -hmm. will be up on our social media and on our website yes and uh, so that was uprooted. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I so I um and, and I don't know like on a scale of one to five, um, I I gave this one. I think I gave it a four and a half. Yeah. The only thing that um, didn't make it the the five complete for me is I just listened to it on Audible and and I kind of talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the first episode, mm-hmm. but the the narrator um, she was really hard to follow yeah and so that's it took away from the story a little bit for me yeah but otherwise I I thought it was great see I got to live in it in my own head with my own brain narrator and <laughs> I think I pronounced a lot of things wrong in my brain but I I don't know how fractional we can make these stars but I'd say like 4.75 <laughs> oh and my my <laughs> my reasoning for it not being a full 5 is that I had to put down the book for a couple of times to get through the battle scene. Yeah. It, too. it dragged on a bit. Yeah. But the rest of it, it's a beautiful story. The writing is incredible. It's different, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like, I worked as a bookseller for years. I cannot tell you how many people I've recommended this book to. And I hope that they are all enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think so many of them probably did. And we we skipped over a lot. A lot. And so um, I, I highly recommend this to you guys. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so yeah. thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, if you have a book recommendation or mm-hmm. um, you have any questions about a recipe, yeah. go if ahead. If you want to see us doing something cool, <laughs> drop us an email. Yeah. I like I like recommendations for stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can email us at howtobakeabookpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, We have social media as well. And um, thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you. Happy reading. Happy reading. Bye.
Hey folks, Cole here. I'm recording this part on my own, though Mary does know that I'm doing it, I promise. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everybody for listening to our very first episode and joining this little journey with us. We got the idea to make this little podcast and we weren't anticipating any sort of response like the one that we've gotten so far. And I know it might be a bit early, but I'm already feeling very excited about this. I'd like to extend some special thanks to the people who have been supporting us along the way. Firstly, I'd like to thank Tracy Randall for making the wonderful art that you see as our icon and on some of our social media as well. I'd also like to thank Robbie Bates, the uh, wonderful scribe behind our website and who's been coaching us a lot on how to deal with a lot of the technical things that we're not too familiar with. I'd also like to thank Ren Haynes for helping us out with a lot of the sound stuff that's going on. As you can tell, we're still really learning how to do this effectively, and we appreciate your patience with us. I'd also like to thank all of the Uli's out there for supporting us so hard at the beginning of this, even before the episode came out. You are all truly magnificent, and probably some of the coolest book people I've ever met. And of course, we can't leave it off without thanking Naomi Novak, the author of the book we were talking about for the past little while. I know she has a new book out. I think it released earlier this week. Support her. Give her a shout out. Tell her we're talking about her. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week.